the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek tight lines and fish on come hook into the action with them hit them up at thebaitshackak.com snow pro ak your snow and ice management company specializing in business and residential properties they know what it takes to keep your property presentable and safe give them a call for a free estimate at 280-7098 or visit lawnproak.com double shovel cider company located off of arctic and 58th handcrafted alaskan-made colonial ciders they also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Jack, we did it. Hell yeah, dude. We're the we did it. champs. We got our belt back. The belt's back. Yeah. Well, it was nice doing it together finally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went to Homer for a hockey tournament, and it's been an ongoing rivalry. Um, I used to play on a different hockey team, the Northwest Flyers, before I started playing with Jack on Double Shovel, and we would always meet up in Homer and play the Ash Cup. And we would end up every time 
playing against each other on Sunday, where whether it was like the last place game or the first place game. Yeah, and then it was just it was like we they won it, then we won it, and then we just won it back. And I played on all on both sides now, so now I'm like with these guys, and so the Flyer boys were kind of pissed off that they uh, they lost it because half the team went to double shovel because the Flyers kind of like. After, before COVID actually kind of went down Like we ended on top We won the series We won the thing And everyone's like Alright we're done And all the older guys Kind of wanted to like I don't know well, and Retire the fly- And the Flyers don't have You know A brewery <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah that, I mean there's yeah. that We definitely had the Flyer jerseys <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, and we, uh, you know, the double shovel team, um, we always had a good locker room, like the Northwest Flyers, and they had three of their, like, kind of, like, veteran locker room guys that everyone loved. They were, you know, in their 60s and ready to hang it up anyway, so their team was a little short, and then we got into that Sarvis League. I think that was big, and uh, so we ended up kind of just combining teams, and we still have the best damn locker room. Oh, we had a lot of fun. Oh, dude, too much fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I heard. <laughs> I heard. A few of yeah. us got kicked out of the Salty Dog. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought Billy was the only one to ever do that. <laughs> no, you can add a couple more to that. What, uh, what, yeah. el- what else do you have to do to get kicked out of there? Uh, go behind the bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what Billy did. <laughs> Two times. Yep, <laughs> that one works. Uh, he made it the first time. She didn't, she didn't get him the first time. She got him the second time. Yeah. And she's like, you're out. And then... He's like <laughs> outside. He's like, he didn't want to leave. Of course not. So I was like, ah, I'll just go bring you some beers. And so I ordered like two beers and I like snuck one outside and gave it to him and was hanging out with him outside. And I went back in and she's like, you drank those already? I was like, no, nah, I gave them away to my buddies. I'll take two more. And then she caught me and she kicked me out. <laughs> uh, so, so that was the end of that. But it was a little too rough to go swimming. Yeah. That was the game plan. Leave the salty dog and go swimming and get out there, and there's like six-foot waves. I was like, God oh, damn it. Yeah, it was beautiful, but really windy. There was some cool dudes surfing, though. Oh, right there? Yeah, right right on the spit, right on yeah. the end, like right where. Just surfing closeouts? <laughs> it was a nice wake Short wind. break closeouts? It was a nice wind break. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's some wind I mean, swell. like peeling or like yeah. just dumping dudes no, on it their was, heads? No, it was, they were good breaks. Guys yeah. going down the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. yeah. No, there was some dudes out there getting it. Dude. Yeah, there's a lot of good surfers. But, dude, Liska is gone. I yeah, just saw I that, that. I just saw that thing that he sold it to the crazy race. He sold I the thought Viking. it was a joke. I was with Brock. Uh was going to the Wolverines game with Brock. And Brock was like, dude, check out this boat. My buddy's asked tell me he's buying it and i was like and he he told brock the he's buying it for like 100 yeah. grand and i was like well <laughs> i think you're either your buddy's getting a prank played on him or he's playing prank playing a prank on you because there's one there's no way that boat is like liska just had that thing built a few years ago yeah and it's not a hundred thousand dollars no 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 maybe the engines yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and i was like and i'm pretty sure like i just hunted with liska and yeah, you just probably went on the back. last trip with them. So I, I was like, I texted Liska. I was like, dude, you sell your boat? And then it was like, I think it was April 1st, too. So I was like, ha ha. It was April 1st. <laughs> Funny. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Living in, like, Mexico? I just, uh, he's like, I'm tired of the cold. He's like, my wife and I just decided. Because he, he just had his place built down there. So he's like, this is the first year he's been able to be in it. And 
So I the, think he was just <laughs> sitting on the porch one day looking at the infinity pool and and the beach and a suit. Like he's at the ranch, which I don't know if you, yeah, that's a ridiculous surf break in Mexico. Yeah. It's like world class surf break, and he's up on the hill there. And so I'm sure he was just looking off that, and he was like, you know what, like halibut fishing's fun, but fuck it. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Yeah, he just that's a beautiful me. boat. I wish I would have had a chance to go on it with him. Well, he said that it's still going to run the same type of stuff and it's uh his the dude who was his uh like deckhand for 10 years got his captain's license a couple years ago so he's gonna run it okay for crazy rays is what uh, liska said and they're gonna honor all the stuff he already had booked but that i don't think like all those surf trips are gonna happen anymore mm-hmm. yeah which but is didn't crazy rays go out of whittier yeah Mostly. I don't know if they have any. Are they going to, because I know his thing's in Seward, right? Yeah. Well, I think he was parking his boat in uh, Whittier at the end of the year, though. Oh, it was. Okay. Because he said he was going to, like, when he dropped us, he was going to load back up, and he was going to Whittier to take out a girl's trip hunting, and then he was going to go out of Whittier for the rest of the year. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. For the rest of his season. For going to Montague. Yeah. Yeah, they were asking for names for the boat. I said, Aliska. You can't change like no, leave it's it the, the Viking. Well, they're going to change it. They boat. asked to change it. They should leave it, right? Yeah, they should leave it 100%. the Viking. Because his first boat was the Viking too. Go ahead, Spencer. I thought that was bad luck to change the name. Oh, it, it is. Is it? Yeah. You have oh, to leave the name somewhere. On my boat, we put the old name underneath. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like I a, didn't know that. It's yeah. like a banana, bro. Oh yeah. Really? No bananas, bud. Yeah. What was the old boat name? Oh, it was like. Um, the bender it, w- it was kind of like ex-wife maker or something okay you know, it, was, okay. It, it was on the play on that i was like no 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 and now no, the like name is the deep insider <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the bender yeah. so you can call in it's a bender over <laughs> you oh, get that's it great. that's hilarious <laughs> yeah, i was telling mcclellan because mcclellan might buy jake's side of the boat and oh, so, okay because jake just wants to fly more and he's like oh What's the name my kids want to know? And so I told him, he's like, I'm not going to tell him that. Like, don't take him on the boat, man. You know, what are you going to paint, paint over it or something? Oh, he's going to have to let him know what it is. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I hope name. he gets it. Good, man. Yeah. We'll we were see. trying to get together forever on that deer hunting trip and just didn't work out. But now if he has half the deep insider. Yeah. He can go out in the three way, three feet or bigger days. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, not with me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, welcome to Alaska Wild Project, episode one hundred and eleven. Uh, today we have Spencer Thorpe and Kevin Garcia of Long Range Shooters of Alaska. Um, thanks for coming in, guys. Welcome. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, feel free to move that thing too. I want to hear that Spencer sexy or that Kevin voice. Oh, that, that's me. You got a nice beard sexy. there. All right, thank you. Brandon, he's got. He might have you beat Brandon. Oh, he does. Oh yeah, he Definitely. does. He does. Just a little more gray is all. Just yeah. a touch of gray. Oh, yeah. Just right the, there. The whole skunk thing going where it's white down the middle. Oh yeah, that's it how mine started fun. out. Right here, just white, and then just went. Yeah, just one year later. <laughs> one year later. You, do you have kids? Uh, no, I'm living the dink life. Okay. All right, you might stay a little. Darker. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot gray. Yeah. <laughs> Zero stress. <laughs> That's funny. I want to also bring up um, Ira's thing. 
Um, if, for people that don't know, um, what's Ira's last name? Edwards. Ad- Ira Edwards. Um, he was on our show in the past. If you haven't heard of Ira, um, he's in a wheelchair, but he is trying to head up the hunt in Kincaid um, for people that are disabled. Um, so he's leading the charge on that. And I think he passed like the first big hurdle, right? The, well, now it's law. So th- that's what happened, what, two weeks ago down in Kenai is it got passed into law. So now it needs to be written okay, in, into um, the regulations. And then the next hurdle is that the parks here in Anchorage are able to organize and shut down the park for a certain period of time, the park being Kincaid. Um, you know, it could be for a day or whatever, and uh, or a portion of the park to allow the hunt to happen. So now it's kind of on the park service well they should be able to make it fall in the same thing as the like flat top moose where it's shotgun or um, bow and it's tuesdays and thursdays that you can hunt yeah and they don't close it like people can still be up there hiking but everyone but public has to know about it and then you're not using any type of a rifle that's like it's shotgun or bow and arrow right i think that this is shotgun or muzzle loader is that what it which would be about the same as shotgun? right yeah right but I, I, I don't think you could allow the people to be up there still in Kincaid. It's so thick. I was just thinking that too. There's and it's way more people there all the time. But there's a lot of area. That's how it gets crowded, dude. Yeah, yeah that's true. A lot true. of hikers in the summer, man. That's true. I wonder if there'll be just like some protesters. I've been saying, like, it it actually is very surprising to me that there hasn't been a like death. At Kincaid, I have 100%. run into black bears, oh, yeah. like screeching on the brakes. Almost yep. hit a black bear once. Moose, I've had many issues with. Yep. Like I don't even go there in May anymore. Yeah, because when they're calving, like I don't want nothing to do with it. Like, I've had calves chase me, little angry bastards. <laughs> well, did he do just moose, or is it just hunting in general, like black bear too? No, it's moose. It's four moose, four antlerless moose. Because right now the the issue is the moose. You know, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I think we've all, I've had a real serious bear encounter out there, but, um, you know, the black bear encounters seem to be like right when they're coming out, uh, out of hibernation, right before they go in. Um, actually I had two last year anyway, anyway, um, but the big encounters that are like near death and often are the cows. And so, um, you know, like the, the young, whatever, two, three year old cows or like during calving yeah. and, uh, like the, there were some stories this year from junior Nordic of some, with some kids getting, stomped um and luckily they're all right but um you know i think like the the opposition for the hunt are are also users that i think their kids are out there and having some some you know close calls so i mean i think for the actual people using the park that everyone's on board with this yeah i would think they'd close it though how do we support it more how do we make more awareness um, that's a good question. I mean, I would start off by going to Ira's, get in contact with Ira, um, his Instagram. You want to look it up real quick? If you go to the Instagram, exactly what it is. I forgot what his thing is. Um, I would go to, I would go, I would just message Ira. Ira is the most friendly person you've ever met. Um, oh, it's Rooster Skier. Rooster Skier. Yeah. There you go. And he's probably one of the best cooks I've ever met in my life. Actually, oh, can man. you click on his page? Oh, yeah. Um, you got the tomahawk and there. he will answer your your message and he will let you know how you can help um i mean just an amazing guy and such a cool thing that he's doing um for the community out there but i just want to picture him like coming out of there with like moose corners oh, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. just like some cross-country skiers like what are you doing that'd be yeah, funny i'm sure we'll be the ones <laughs> helping him pack it i will definitely help him pack uh, it yeah 
The um, what Ira's really good at is waiting till the right moment to strike. So you know that week before, um, <clears throat> they had to testify to get get it into the the law. He sent out some stuff on it, made it really easy for people to support, and he did it on his social media, and then sent it to his friends like us who who spread the word word as well. So I think as it gets closer um he'll he'll let us know what the next step is plus i think it's a drawing so they probably have to actually go put it into the hunt you know yeah but it's only for disabled disabled right yeah i wonder how many disabled hunters a lot yeah there's got to be like what would you say hundreds yeah Really? Mm-hmm. That would fall under that? Yeah. For disabled sure. veterans? Oh, that's cool, 100%. Man. It's not disabled veterans. Yeah. Well, There's what? already... So that was what was unique about this. So I think Ira said that... The so this is a full, classification of disabled. It's then. anybody being disabled in terms of um, like the civil disa- disabled. But the veterans could Yeah. No, they can it. do it too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we already had veteran I mean. disabled hunts up here. Yeah. And we didn't have anything for anyone who was a civilian that was disabled. Yeah. And that's what this hunt's about. Go ahead, Spencer. You had something. Yeah, sure. So as as far as the classification goes, is that going to be somewhere on like the application for your your hunting license or, you know, your your draw tags or anything like that? Or is that how they're going to be tracking it? I think it's going to be, there's going to be like a definition in the supplement, you know, on that right side. It's like this hunt is for this and it'll be a sentence in there, I believe. Right, but then, like, if you if you were out there, right, and how do you prove? Like, I get it. How do you prove it? There's certain aspects of it, but I would assume that they would want to track. Like, you do fall into that category if you're out there. Yeah, you have know you had a mean? plate or something. Yeah, some, plate. something to that effect. I, I mean, I would just hope that no one would try and take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, how yeah. do they? How do oh, you you're worried about some kind of scam shit going on? Not necessarily like scam, but like or someone lying or someone right. doing yeah. some tricks, you know, some make, trickery. Oh, make sure that it's protecting the right people. The, oh my you know, god, was, that's terrible. I'd say like the some, good part I, about this is Ira knows everyone, and he will definitely be calling whoever gets this and <laughs> talking to him about it every year. <laughs> so he'll he'll yeah. easily be able, if they're, if, yeah. they, if they're faking it, they better fake it. Yeah, forever. there's no there's no I identify <laughs> as. Yeah, yeah no, no. No, no. Yeah. Did, did it specify like how many did you said four? four 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 a year four antlerless yeah oh man that's good yeah well they sh- you should go for that black bear too man that's scary in there. yeah I, I agree on the black bear thing what do you guys think about that the kincaid deal well i just heard about it today so but i think that's a really good deal get get some of the moose out of there and i mean I walk, do morning walks almost every day. I mean, this morning I almost got run over by a moose and scared it out of its bed. So um, I know that's a, there's a lot of moose down in Kincaid and yeah, get tons. pretty sketchy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're always on your guard looking what's going on. And there's a lot of like field trips and kids mm-hmm. out there and like older people walking dog. I mean, it's really yeah. busy, like really busy. And, so, I mean, it's a brilliant idea because like it's very accessible too. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you have, massive trails i mean you know if yeah if you're set up like uh like thacker is yeah okay. his like yeah. machine like that thing could go anywhere back there you know what well, i mean oh would they allow that or I, know, like, I think it's going to be motorless motorless yeah like well, well i would hope but then how does that i mean then how I've does seen that dudes back there on e-bikes you better allow i know but if you're the, yeah yeah handicap motorized yeah ha- wheelchair back there for sure Right? I we guess need, there's a lot to think we about. Need, that. We need more deets on that part. 
maybe not a wheeler but a motorized wheelchair for sure yeah yeah like able to go down the tr- main trails yeah thacker's got that uh they're made out of like cooper landing or Kena or something the company that he kind of like works with and it's just a tracked it's a tracked it, yeah, it's wheelchair a tr- basically yeah. he fishes in them like you can drive them across streams mm-hmm. and it's awesome like it's so awesome yeah well we'll ask him when he comes in i bet they He's going to come in here with that thing. Oh, yeah. If they don't allow it, I will happily push someone wherever they need to go. No shit. The other Absolutely. Th- the other reason they need to do it is, you know, I think people that don't use the trails in the winter don't realize that, like, on these big snow years, all the more moose kind of get forced in, onto the trail. Mm. You know, and it, and it's so, so it's not like, you know, I'm looking up there, it says, oh, there's 1,400 acres. But really in the wintertime, you know, it's just the trails that you see the moose on there. If they are bedded, they're bedded five or 10 yards off that trail and they get right back on the trail to move anywhere. Yeah. And it'll be antlerless. So it's probably going to be that later. Like you might, it's going to be crispy. Like, yeah. October. It says October right there. So it's just cows. It's cool. That voted seven. Oh yeah. And then it says shotgun, uh, archery or crossbow. Okay, yeah, so it'll be the same as uh, up at uh, upper flat huff, top, yeah. Yeah, upper <laughs> No long range, boys. Yeah, which makes uh, sense. No you long want somebody <laughs> shooting a three hundred wind mag in the middle of town. <laughs> no, no, <really. laughs> oh man, yeah, pretty cool. Good job, Ira. Yeah, yeah good job on that, job. Ira, for sure. That's awesome, for sure. Um, a couple of events that are coming up: um, SCI banquet. I heard there's only like 50 tickets left. If you haven't got your thing to that, um, that is the 22nd. 22nd. And the 21st, they do it. Uh, there's like a veteran night. Yep. Yep. And we went to the veterans night last year. I haven't been to it yet. So yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's excited for this one. It'll be way fun. more mellow. Um, we will be at the SCI banquet um, doing a podcast there. Um, we will be in the main area there where they're going to have the banquet. So come by, say hello. Um, and uh, we'll be talking to some of the people over there on what they got going on. And yeah, it'd be nice to be a part of that whole entire event. So hopefully we see you guys there. And then pretty soon also is the Bait Shacks um, Derby, the King Derby that he does. And it's pretty much sounds like the only place you can get a king this year unfortunately yeah. but fortunate for him that or salt water basically right yeah very sad only that's what brought me up here the king fishing well in 2010 2011 sometime my dad brought me up fishing and went did some back trolling on the on the kenai on me my dad and my uncle we all three caught kings that day caught a 50 50 pound king and and my heart never left yeah. so that was as I, could, I moved up here oh that's awesome that's 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 it. So, w- is the reason that they are allowed Ship Creek to still be open is because it's all hatchery? Or is is that what the deal is? Yeah. How come the Deshka didn't fit into that? Because I does the Deshka has both, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. But I mean, they the Kasilov has both, and uh-huh. I think they shut Kasilov down yeah. too, right? Yeah. Right. I yeah. heard it was all cooking lit. So I think it's just numbers, even yeah. with it combined, like the numbers still not reaching an escapement. So they yeah. probably it's got to be that. Yeah. And Ship Creek gets, I mean, they reach their number. They yeah. probably don't have a huge number. I forgot what he said, but it was more than I thought it was. Yeah, I'm sure it's still a significant amount in order for you to yeah be allowed, but it's still not going to be like what the escapement is on the Kenai or the Deshka. Or, I mean, there. <laughs> so uh, we have this entire like 
place and it's like, well, you can get one in Anchorage. Yeah. <laughs> right downtown <laughs> by the port. <laughs> you can get a that's beer afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. But um yeah, check out those events and um we'll love to see you guys down at the SEI thing. You got the uh backcountry hunters and anglers this Friday. Yep, the, the show will already be out though. Oh, by then we're kind of two weeks ahead uh, but yeah. they did have the other one um that they are doing at uh i think that's in juno that's in juno ock bay when they're doing the southeast moose oh that one is in juno yeah oh, bay. okay well that's cool that they're doing something down there actually pull yeah. that up jack um if you go to our instagram yeah i think they have a moose biologist if you go home home and then uh go to our home yeah just press the home button i think that's ours Ira's got a nice beard, too. Oh, Ira's got a great beard. And then go to, yep, go there and go to our story. I think I shared it today. Yeah, click on that. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, April 25th at 6 p.m. Oh, if you go back and click right, it. Forbidden Peak Brewery. Forbidden Peak Brewery. But it doesn't say, oh, oh yeah, Southeast with special guests. But it doesn't say where it is. Like uh, Juno, Forbidden Peak Brewery, I believe, is in Ock Bay, though, and that's Juno. That's how I knew that. Okay, um, I might want to put that on there. Huh? I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah, Forbidden Southeast Peak Alaska with the. I've definitely not never heard of that brewery. So, sounds right, no. Well, that's cool that they're going down the southeast and doing that for those people for those guys down there. That's great. Yeah, they got a lot of hunters. Yeah, it's in Juno. It shows it like right next to the University of Alaska Southeast. On moose and southeast. You don't really think about too much moose down there, right? No. <laughs> right? Not, you don't associate southeast with like moose hunting. It's all deer and bears. Right. And yeah. fishing. And fishing, yeah. Oh, well, there gotta be some down there. Making their way, I guess. Yeah. Cougars coming up. Um I saw I saw on your page, um, Kevin, you posted uh, something about the Blood Origins podcast um, there on that one. Did, were they talking about Alaska on that one? Yeah, I think they had a, a couple of people that, well, which one was this? They had some uh, lawmakers from Alaska because Blood Origins, they're kind of, they try to get the information out about hunting and how, get hunters involved and show what the issues are and they had said some they put out some misinformation so some alaska lawmakers can got into contact with them and went on their podcast and set the record straight oh blood origins put out some misinformation and he brought in the people to fix it yeah oh so. that's good okay is this well this was a while back but yeah that's good to know that's a really good podcast too you guys listen if you haven't checked out um blood origins they do they do a really really good job the one on the sheep one was really good where he said uh he had the uh guy from the wild sheep foundation on there yeah mm. talking about um i forgot what the title was like sheep hunting is only for rich dudes or something yeah, like that yeah. <laughs> well yeah robbie does a really good job of uh of just trying to switch the portrayal of hunting from just like bloody pictures and like he's very against that and he's very like he he just realizes that the like the community is very divided, you know. Yeah, it's like we're eating our own, and it's kind of 
we're such a minority, like we can't afford to do that because anti-hunter movements have a lot of people. Yeah. And so he really preaches that and he really preaches the whole like consequence, consequence, consequence. Like no matter what you think about it, no matter what your views are, you can't remove the fact that all these animals have value. And so there's a consequence. So if you just ban hunting in Africa, like it's, it's very much more magnified in Africa, right? Because you have like those animals are going to get killed for money. So either a rich dentist or doctor pays 400 grand to go shoot a lion or you ban hunting and then poachers are just going to kill them all. And you're not going to have any money in the community to help with conservation. So, yeah. And that's just Africa. That wild sheep foundation, they have their podcast. They had the, I think it was Shane Mahoney. He has the North American model where they went over, they did a big study and they went over the figures for what hunters provide conservation wise and how our current infrastructure, we wouldn't be able to feed all of the people that hunt Mm -hmm. if hunting was banned and just, it, it was very interesting. So if you get a chance, I would suggest looking up the North American model. I think it was Shane Mahoney. Yeah, it was. He's done a lot of really good work in that, his Mm -hmm. study, um, showing that how much, uh, meat is actually provided by hunters in the, in America. By sharing and just their meat for their families alone, yeah, it it would be it would impact dramatically. I mean, I was raised on on wild game. I, I mean, except for a few cattle that we we would buy and board ourselves and and slaughter, but we never really went to we never really went to the market and bought yeah. red meat anyway. I mean, yeah, you were getting the uh, Costco four pack. I mean, the Costco four-pack of chicken. (laughs) 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 Where where were you raised? Uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. And when did you move to Alaska? 2018. Okay. And what brought you up here? You love the fishing trip. Well, the fishing trip. I I mean, you guys guys have lived here for a very long time, and I'm still almost every single day just in awe of Alaska, it's it's beautiful. So it's am I. Place. Yeah. Colorado is awesome. It, it doesn't go away. If that's <laughs> yeah. what you're wondering. No, I, I, I love it. It's. I mean, sometimes you gotta leave and come back to respark it, but yeah. it doesn't leave. I know someone was having a conversation. Who was talking about it? Um, some family members, and they're like, "Well, where would you want to go? Or where would you want to live?" Uh, oh no, coworkers, coworkers, yesterday. And they're like, well, where if you could pick anywhere, and they're like, well-traveled people, and they're naming, like, Colorado and Idaho and this place and that place. And they're like, what about you? I was like, right here. I, would want, I, want, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. That's right. It's right. funny that w- most people, they, they generally pick a place that they think is similar but like a little less winter yeah is what they yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like no one's like arizona yeah no you know no, what i mean like, like colorado but they're just idaho. like and then they if they were to go to idaho they'd be like ah oh, man it's still cold and then it's super hot in summer and then the mountains aren't the same no. and there's no ocean like they would realize that and there's no fishing yeah you wind no up hunting. you wind up back <laughs> here unless you want to like live in a city yeah, yeah. i mean this this it's hard to beat this place. Oh, it is. 
Yeah, hundred percent. When we were driving back from Homer after the tournament, uh, so we had CJ in the car, and it w- it was kind of like driving with a ten year old that had never been in Alaska. It was like every <laughs> every turn, it was like, oh, check out that mountain. Oh, you see this pass? Look at those colors. And I was like, really appreciate it. You know, we spend time with the little six year olds, and they're always pointing out the cool stuff. And here's this adult that's exactly our age that I've been on the same trip with ten times for just hockey. And just how much enjoyment he, he got out of the drive, and it, it, it was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it was so beautiful, too, man. Spencer, how about you? Where were, where were, uh, where were you raised? I've been kind of all over the place. Um, my dad was a salesman, um, so we... Kirby? What was it? No, no, no higher, higher end, you know, for, for a larger company. So... Um, Born in Grand, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Moved to California for 14 years, then moved all the way to the other side in New England. You know, lived in New Hampshire for the remainder until I joined the Air Force. And then that took me to Colorado Springs where I met Kevin. So okay. He actually beat me out here by one year. So I got stationed out here in 2019. So he beat me out here in 2018. Oh, so you guys met in the service there? No. No. Funny story. Um, it relates to our PRS stuff. Is okay. We shot a, our first PRS match together. We were on the same squad. And then... Both your first time? Both our first time, right? So we meet in Colorado. We're shooting this match. We suck, right? I think I shot a nine out of, six. out of 80. You yeah. said you shot a, a six? A six, yeah. <laughs> so now Out of what, though, for people that don't know? 80 to 85 rounds. Oh, like shoot. Okay, yeah. F. Um, F minus. Oh, oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a big oof. You're grounded and if how you come on with that. that. Yeah. You're, you, you, use, you use 85 rounds of ammo at like $1.50 a round. Oh. Like, these six were the magical, <laughs> magical six for the day. But we met on that first uh, PRS match, and then okay. – I'm, you know, we shoot a couple matches here and there, you know, only meet once a month kind of thing. And then IPCS up here in um, 2019, and I'm at Birchwood Shooting Range, and I'm zeroing a rifle, and then I see Kevin. I don't recognize him. And, yeah, know. he didn't have the beard. So oh. I'm completely, un, you know, unrecognizable. And uh, anyone with a precision rifle, I, I reach out, and I'm like, hey, you know, you want to shoot PRS or you want to shoot long range new to Alaska kind of thing. And he's like, are you Spencer? I was like, odd, but yeah. And he goes, it's Kevin. I'm like, damn, Kevin who? <laughs> you know, Cause it's been so long. He's like six out of 80, Kevin. Yeah, six out of 80, Kevin. <laughs> and you know, it random, but that is very random. Yeah. And then we ended yeah. up both back here or back in Alaska. So yeah. Are you still in the military now? Yeah. I'm still uh, active duty air force, um, stationed here at J bear. So now, how many times did you pick Alaska before you finally got PCS? Funny story. I didn't, this was actually not supposed to happen. This oh. was a mistake that they kind of had to play catch up with. And I was, I guess the scapegoat. So when I was in uh Shriver air force base in Colorado Springs, I got notified, uh, I, get, I retrained into combat arms. So I went to combat arms school down at Lackland air force base, I had a base picked for me there at Lackland. Generally, when you do a retrain, they re, rebase you, right? They PCS you somewhere else. What does PCS mean? Uh, permanent change of station. Okay. So you're going to go somewhere else and serve that job there. And they wanted to send me to Malmstrom Air Force Base. I think Montana. I think that's where that is. And uh, we needed my AFSC, like my combat arms instructors. We needed it at Shriver Air Force Base in Colorado. So my chief basically canceled my orders to Malmstrom. And I'm like, sweet. I love Colorado. I'm going to stay here. And then 
I think it was nine months later, almost 10 months later, commander calls me while I'm at Red Robin with my family. He's like, congratulations, you got orders. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. And uh, he goes, you're going to Alaska. I was like, well, um, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Got it. Right. <laughs> um, apparently they had tasked a, um, another airman, right. That was on, uh, in my squadron with those orders, but halfway through that, um, that whole change, right. They realized that he was in combat arms and they were like, Oh crap. Like we need to send, uh-huh. we need to send one of these guys. Yeah, and I was the one with the highest dwell time there. So like, mm. pick him. So, never intended on coming here. Never on a dream sheet. I mean, dream. They're really just dreams. But yeah, yeah, never intentional. But now I never want to leave. So meant to be. Absolutely. What's PRS? Precision Rifle Series. Precision so. Rifle Series. Okay. So a lot of acronyms out there for the folks. <laughs> that's the military <laughs> way, and we live by acronyms. Okay, so, but that that's like. What competitive shooting is called? Long range. For, Long range. For that for that one, right? You okay. got precision rifle series. You you might hear another acronym of NRL, National Rifle League. Okay. Um, similar, right? Long range, competitive, you know, under time. D- two different competitions though. And it's become and PRS has become kind of like Kleenex. So you see somebody at the range with one of these rifles, you're like, Oh, that's a PRS rifle even though there are different kind of shooting disciplines within PRS. So, but Precision Rifle Series, they kind of started the whole thing. So instead of saying tissue now, you say PRS. They're kind of mm-hmm. the biggest, right? Yeah. Yeah. And do we have a PRS league up here? Yeah, you're, you're looking at them. You guys? <laughs> you're Long the Range league? Shooters of Alaska. It's not really a league, but they have uh, different like areas within the, the PRS. So we're in the northwest region. Of Alaska so, or United States? United States. Okay. So, so we have Alaska, like, Washington, Idaho, and then a couple other states that don't really matter. Okay. Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Are you the only two Alaskans? <laughs> no, we have a we have a decent group of group of guys that come out and shoot guys and girls. Uh-huh. I think last year we averaged about seventeen to to twenty shooters per match. So it's not not a huge turnout. Not like you see down south with uh-huh. the, where. One day matches, they're selling out with 100-plus shooters. Oh, so the matches are up here. Yeah, we have They're we not, hold like, the matches. regional? No, we okay. hold them in uh, Intel Keatna. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. And then it, it, do you get, like, is there, like, a score system where you then qualify for, like, a regional tournament and then go against the rest of the Northwest? Uh, we're working on that uh, up here because in order for a match to qualify for the regional series so they do have like a regional finale you have to have a minimum of 25 shooters and have a qualified match uh, so with us being a little bit detached and it makes it difficult to travel to go to other qualifiers yeah. trying to get an exception so we can have a qualifier with fewer than required that okay. way we can send some of our shooters to the finale what's, yeah. a, what's a qualified shooter it's the match is a qualifier okay so just being at one match would well, it's got to have enough numbers. What he's saying is, you got to have. There's got to be 25 entries in the division that you're trying to qualify, right? Just 25 shooters total for oh, oh. for the year for the match for the qualifier. Oh, okay, I see. But you have to get your yeah. qualifier accepted by PRS in order mm, for it to be okay. a qualifier. Yeah. How Where many? How many are you averaging at a match now? Between 17 and 20 shooters. Oh, so, so just short. We're right there. I mean, 
It, yeah, man, they got to write a letter. We only got 750,000 people in the damn state. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're uh, trying to. Yeah. You, you guys will make it happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll make it happen. I want to backtrack a little bit. I never, like, what got you into shooting in the beginning? I know, obviously, you were in the military, and so that's just hand in hand. Um, but what about what about you? Well, my dad took me turkey hunting when I was super young, and I want to say I don't even think I was big enough to hold the shotgun up, but we didn't find any turkeys, but he let me shoot a bottle with a shotgun, and mm-hmm. ever since then I was hooked. <laughs> probably the last time I shot a shotgun, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I just love shooting. Yeah. And bought a PRS gun without knowing what it was, went out to the went out to the range and they're like, Hey, this range goes out to a thousand yards. Oh, awesome. Well, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, let me try that. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. So he, like, so we haven't known him very long, but I can tell he makes life des- decisions off of like single experiences. <laughs> like he, got into, he got into guns off of one experience, moved to Alaska because he caught a king. <laughs> like, I like it. I like it I too. Like it. I like it too. That's good. Got priorities straight. That's right. I dive in head first. That's like, no half measures. What about you, yeah. Spencer? What about uh, before military? Were you guys doing some hunting and stuff? Uh, not not really. I mean, I had been hunting, you know, tag along, right? Uh, parents, you know, my father and grandfather would take me, you know, we never were successful. So there was a lot of like, let's go out in the woods and walk around and yeah. sit here for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, you can really be like, this is fun or this sucks. And then you can kind of either follow in that and keep doing it until you're successful and then or not or it drops off luckily for me i've been always interested in firearms um i think i got my first ruger 1022 when i was seven something like that you know real young um and then before i joined the military i was actually uh, working at a gun store so one of the largest gun stores in new england um shooters outpost kind of assisted with that coming into fruition you know building the store um, from a uh, the owners owning a firing range out there. And then it's actually, it's super big now. So it's really cool to watch, but selling guns, um, shooting and building them for people. That's, that's my jam. Yeah. So oh, in the military, I got to transition into being a firearms instructor. So right now I'm instructing anywhere from 3,300 to 4,000 people annually. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big ticket. Yeah. What, what's it take to be to become a firearms instructor? Is there like a, cert, like a certain kind of numbers you got to hit or how to just trainings or? So the, the way the Air Force has it, right, is uh, my career field is uh, very small. Um, we are start out as security forces members, so the cops in the military uh, for Air Force anyway. And then once you get into your security forces, if you once you hit your two-year mark of your enlistment, you can laterally cross-train and become either uh, a canine handler, right, or you can mm. become a common arms instructor. Um, what they teach you down at the, the CAC, they call it, the Combat Arms Course, um, is, you know, all about the weapons that we service. You know, standard issue stuff. It's not – there's a lot of things that you can see in your Air Force career, but you'll never see one of these rifles, right? You Typical M18, M9, M4, mm. the basic stuff. They'll teach you how to service it, how to maintain it, take it apart, teach people how to do it, and then they'll actually teach you how to be an instructor, like how to talk to people, how to be a coach on the firing line. Yeah. knowing how to control a line of 50 people on the range mm. so that no one pops around in the wrong direction. Yeah, so. yeah. That's kind of a crazy why. For what? A crazy, oh. like, road you could have took. Yeah. It's like you can go firearms or what? Canine? Canine. Are yeah, you a like, cat guy? 
Back in like I'm allergic to dogs, so I went. I went left. <laughs> no, both career fields are awesome. It's funny though. It it is kind of like little family feud, firefighter cop kind of thing. Okay. Versus canine or catum. Um, the, I say Comet Arms. Uh, another acronym for it that people might notice is uh, CATM, C-A-T-M. Comet, okay. Comet Arms Training and Maintenance. Um, but, yeah, no, it, there's that's a little funny. bit of a rivalry okay. there. Oh, um, that's funny. It is funny, though, is that back when I was doing my application and the process to transition over to being a Comet Arms instructor, they, uh, the Air Force was like, oh, you got to put both, right, and then we'll pick which one you go to. And I'm like, no. I'm going to do this one. I'm going to submit one. <laughs> and my buddy did that, and he listened to him. He was like, no, I, I, they told me I had to put both. And <laughs> they got in, they gave him canine. <laughs> so he's out there learning the dog, and he's like, I wanted to be a firearms instructor. <laughs> so oh. he was stuck with that. So. Oh, man. He's like, now nah, I'm cleaning up poop. <laughs> oh, I wanted to clean up brass, now I'm cleaning up dogs. 100% exactly what you think. <laughs> oh, that's you hilarious. have to do that. Um, the kennels are giant concrete facility oh yeah you don't start stalls. off holding the dog you start off cleaning the yeah, shit i'm, I'm sure. much rather be picking up brass <laughs> yeah and the, the best part about that too is that like about my job is i'm always picking up brass right so we just make the shooters do it because i and they're yeah. like why aren't you helping i was like i too much lead exposure yeah i, yeah. I do this every day you gotta do it. you're I'm only here I'm once allergic. a year i've picked up my quota and already yeah. developed an allergy <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and i want to get into these badass um rifles you guys have up here um anyone that's just listening to the show we're at like 45 minutes if you want to switch over to youtube to like just watch this section so that people can kind of see what's what we're talking about here um we'll try to describe it as well as we can in audio but we do have a youtube version if you want to get on there and uh, get to the 45th minute maybe between 45 and 50th minute and so you can look at the guns um but we will be right back barney sports chalet supplying hunters with the best hand selected gear since 1963 Barney specializes in supplying hunters with the absolute best Alaskan proven gear on the market for some of nature's most rugged and demanding terrain. Whether you're headed to the remote volcanic islands of the Alaska Peninsula in search of a brown bear, or the shale infested glacial valleys of the Brooks Range for dull sheep, it is critical you choose the right gear for your dream hunt. Don't miss Barney's exclusive brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska, tested from the high mountains of Tajikistan to the extreme conditions of Alaska. These products were designed for high performance and durability. Frontier Gear was derived from decades of experience hunting big game in Alaska. Paired with other top brands, it provides you the absolute best gear selection anywhere in the world. Stop in at Barney Sports Chalet in Anchorage on Northern Lights or check out their custom website and reference tool at barneysports.com. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaska public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national-level policy work to engagement with boots-on-the-ground projects from Kotzebue to Ketchikan, BHA performs public land cleanups, hunting and fishing clinics, and community education to help take your game to the next level. BHA's community-minded goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping wild lands wild and fostering the next generation of sportsmen and women for years to come. Make sure to follow BHA Alaska for upcoming events, local brewery pint nights, and more. Stand up for Alaska public lands and waters by supporting the Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Join us today at backcountryhunters.org. 
The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Be sure to ask the bud tender about their deal of the day because honestly, there's always something good on deck. And guys, listen. This is where the culture lives. At the Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords, while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. Their focus is on relationships over transactions, and you can always depend on them to treat you with the respect you deserve. Hit them up at thetreehouseak.com, and remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. All right, we're back. Um, Kevin, earlier, I, I think it was while we were recording, um, maybe actually it was before we were recording, um, you brought up the word safety and how that is um, probably the top priority um, for your guys' group. And But you, you mentioned another thing that was interesting, that you said that the, one of the other main reasons is because the light that's shown on guns and shooting and hunting um whereas you want to let people know about the safety but also um there there's like a stigma there right yeah definitely i mean anything to do with firearms you're automatically categorized but the truth is we this is our passion this is what we do and when we do it we want to do it safely we want everybody to come out and have a good time we don't want we want everybody to go home the way they showed up maybe a little bit more tired and with a smile on their face i mean when when we're out there we have very very strict rules we're more strict than the ranges that we shoot on most mm -hmm. of the time because it's just it only takes one one incident and somebody it's losing a friend or a family member it's it's not worth it for us it you can go out and you can have a great time but you can also be safe doing it could you maybe tell us, um, for some of the listeners that maybe have never been to a range or maybe they have a little intimidation to go down to the range or they're learning to shoot, they want to hunt, they're trying to get into it, maybe their girlfriend wants to get into it. Um, some of the things, like when you first approach a range, some of the like maybe top five like do's and don'ts. Well, one of the main do's, if you're, I know it's a little bit intimidating to walk up to somebody and ask them, like, what should I do? But that you'll find that in the firearms industry, most everybody is very, very welcoming, very open. We want to show you, show you what we got. We want to show you how to do it right. We want to show you how to do it safely. Because if you're going to the range and we're shooting next to each other, it benefits me and you to both be shooting safely. So that's um, the top five things. I think Spencer could speak to this better because he teaches a lot of people. Okay, but okay, yeah. let's get that instructor voice out here. <laughs> okay, so I mean, in in terms of like a amateur, somebody who's just coming on, it's to, like the first time to the range. First time to the range, new gun, they bought it for protection or whatever, right? Treat all guns as if they're loaded, right? So yeah. pretend in in every avenue of your mind that is is that gun to go off? Let's pretend there's ammo in it. Every what do time. I want to do? I don't want to point it at anybody. So if I'm pretending it's loaded, even though it's not, right, I'm going to should be acting safely with the weapon at all times, right? And then that leads into, like, number two, right, is uh, always point at something you don't intend to shoot or destroy, right? So okay. these right here, you know, we muzzle down at the wall and then making sure that if something were to happen, they're not going to go off or anything like that. Now, they got checked before they came in here, obviously, Um 
But when you're on the range, you know, and you're dealing with live ammunition, you got to make sure that no matter what you're doing, a slip in the mind is easy. You could inadvertently chamber around, especially if you're new. But if that were to go off, where's it going? Yeah. You know, I teach my shooters, you know, we teach them leveling down range. Even though the ceilings, the walls, the floor, they're all bulletproof, right? Bullet resistant. You know, level, if it goes off. Level meaning pointing. Level meaning, yeah, muzzle pointed down where it's supposed to go. Yeah. Okay. You know? So um, second one um, would be that. Third, you know, um, don't be afraid to ask questions like Kevin was getting on to. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't know how your gun operates, yeah, it's, it's kind of a failure on, on you before you go in out there. You know, you should be doing research on your own stuff before you go out and attempt mm-hmm. to use it in a public setting. Um, but know how to clear it out, you know know your gear um and be proficient with what you have so that's that's that would be the third one uh, man two more <laughs> well before you get to the i'll let you think about those sure so are when you go to the range let's say you go down to um you know rabbit creek or whatever here and there's the the main guy there you know talking to i don't want to say his, what's his what's all right so is he there obviously he's there for the safety of everyone there but he could you ask him a question and he could come and like be like oh, hey what's yeah. going on here something this thing isn't working right absolutely he's allowed to like help you out sure okay yeah. that's his job okay okay so that's obviously one good point of contact there where you can be like hey i'm unsure for whatever reason or something happened and you're unsure what happened with your gun or your handgun or whatever you could actually ask him Versus, like, who knows who the dude next to you is. Yeah, yeah if you don't know how to clear a jam or something. Yeah. 100%. You, you absolutely should ask him. I'd definitely ask the RO. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust the person next to you unless you know them. Because RSOs, when they go through training, they it's usually death by PowerPoint, but it's a full day long. And you'll go over multiple different firearms and how how to clear malfunctions, how they operate, what the actions are, et cetera. So definitely talk to the RO. They're, they're going to be very helpful. Range officer? Range safety officer. Range safety so officer? Okay. RO, RSO, they're synonymous, but range okay. safety officer, range officer. Got it. Got it. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, but, Spencer, you kind of started on it. We got through two of them. You what? Um, treat every firearm as if it's loaded yep. and never point at anything you're not willing to destroy. Know your target and what's beyond it, mm-hmm. and keep your finger off the trigger till you're ready to till you're ready to shoot. Mm-hmm. Four rules of firearm safety. Everybody should know if you if you have a firearm, know those four rules, and if you follow them, there should never be an incident. Right. Well said. Well said. That's good to know. Um, well, walk us through what you guys have on the table here. I mean, this you got some. First of all, I, I mean, this thing. Uh, let's just start with the one that's nearest me, um, nearest <laughs> to me. I uh, you let me hold that thing, and it's like five times as heavy as I thought. My dad's rifle that I hunt with, the old wood thirty out six Remington seven hundred, is heavy with the scope, but this thing is like four times <laughs> as heavy. This you're not climbing with this thing. No, this is from the truck to the range, back to the truck, back to the safe. Uh, pretty much, yeah. It's, okay, uh, it's twenty. 20- and its current configuration, about 24, 25 pounds, right in that range. And it shoots a 6-millimeter Creedmoor, which is a 6.5 neck down to 6-millimeter. Or a lot of people might know it as a 243. It's very similar. Same diameter bullet. Uh, have a, I guess we can start with, with the heart of the rifle. It's an impact action. And then it's got a Bix and Andy Tac Sport Pro trigger. It's a two-stage trigger. Uh, First stage is set around 
about a pound. Second stage is around eight ounces. So very light trigger. Why would you have two stages in the trigger? Um, you want to you wanna show them or demonstrate it so you can get so you, a, yeah, you push it forward fucking. to go into the... So the way two stages, the first stage, you can take up the slack and you can lean on the wall. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. you hear the break. Yeah. You can have a nice clean break. Yeah. Go ahead and try that. As light as you possibly can. Very, very lightly. And these firearms are unloaded. There's oh, no ammo I in the I like room. that. That was sexy. So, so I had a, so I had a sing, uh, dual stage trigger on a CZ rifle. It came on it, but mine was probably like four and a half pounds. Or if you pushed it forward, then it would be probably about two, well, two and a half maybe. Interesting. So it wasn't. That's why when you said two stages, I thought it was like you were picking the selecting the poundage. I didn't realize. So, so what would be the purpose of it not just being like a firm already at the wall and you're just breaking glass? Well, you've probably heard the old adage of the gun should surprise you when it goes off. Yeah. I don't like that personally. So I like that first oh, So stage. you like the take up. I like to be able to take it up and be able to lean against the wall. And then when I've reduced my wobble zone to where I know I'm going to hit the target, then I can break the trigger when I want. I don't want it to be surprised. I want it to go off when I tell it to. Okay. So it's just uh, like, it's just what you prefer. That's a definitely a preference. So, I mean, do you shoot a two-stage trigger like that? So I have them. On this one, I don't. It's yeah, a single stage. Rifle, no. Yeah, straight-up hunting rifle and my comp rifle are single-stage triggers to where I... I like to have a little bit more of a, of a heavier pull, um, you know, where his wall, when you find it, it's eight ounces, you break through it. Mine's probably about a pound and a half total. Yeah. And then you're, you're at the wall right at the beginning. Yeah. So, um, so what trigger are you running on your gun? Um, so this one is a, um, jewel. Okay. Um, so other than that, the model number, I think is an HR two. You run jewel on your other one. That one's a Timney Calvin elite. Okay. Um, I like, so I, what I like to do is kind of, branch out and not stick to one thing and i have triggers and scopes and actions for so you're not a forge or chevy guy well there i mean i'll drive either <laughs> whichever <laughs> one made a better one there. well you're yeah. like me yeah with rifles absolutely i like i, try, I have a timney on my uh, on my rifle yeah and i love it and i've shot jewel but i've never seen that dual stage that's kind of a that would be new to me it's it it takes some getting used to but i think I mean, they're super. They're super nice. Yeah, I mean, they're eight unique. ounces, dude. That's fucking yeah, it's nothing. Woo! Yeah, yeah. It felt sexy. Well, you got a lot more to talk about on your rifle. I think you stopped. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I just wanted to. There's, there's like three thousand dollars more left. Well, that's just in the the glass, but and so got the action, the trigger, and then the barrel is a Krieger Heavy Varmint. Uh, it's a twenty-six inch overall length, and then there's a massive muzzle break on it that's the apa <laughs> fat bastard that'd be a good name for it <laughs> uh, and then on top is a loophole mark five uh that's got the pr2 reticle in it so the pr2 that was developed by some of the brand ambassadors for loophole so john pinch and morgan king i want to say they they shoot for them and they help to develop it for shooting prs because traditionally mill reticles are in Point point two increments of point two of a mil. 
and I guess we should tell them what a mill is, a mill. So you have MOA and mill. You have like inches and this is metric. Where you, this is yeah. where you're going to confuse <laughs> everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so think of it this way. If you're, how, how many quarters are, how many, how much money is 17 quarters? Mm-hmm. That's what, 425, it takes a little bit. That's my engineer brain kicking in. But for a lot of people, that takes a little bit of mental math versus 1.7 mils. That's it's a little bit easier, but uh, we're getting a little off track. <laughs> uh, so attached to the to the scope is an anti-cant device, which is a fancy word for saying a bubble level. And bubble levels are very important when shooting long range because if you're off cant a little bit, when you shoot, you're going to be thinking that your your wind is switching around on you, whereas you're not just holding your level your rifle level. And then got the bipods. Bipods are a Skypods triple pull, which is a new addition to the rifle. I'm still learning those. They're interesting. That thing is really sick, actually. Can you maybe show? Do you see how that works, this thing? Uh, no. Well, let's let's show. Yeah, let's like, let's pick it up because that thing is. Snake it around here. Yeah. You can actually take that microphone oh, up there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh. Wow. There you are. Okay, so it's kind of uh, for people that just listen in, it like telescopes down, and it stays at that. It extends from like degree angle. It adjusts. Oh, okay. They'll s- the arm swing down. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. And then they can come in. Yeah. All right. Yep. Fully adjustable. Oh, that thing. Quick yeah. They have claws at the end to grab the ground. Yeah, that thing's awesome. Yeah, that's badass. So what's, what are those? What's that bipod called? That's the MDT Skypod. Okay. Yeah. Is that one pretty heavy? It, yeah, it's very heavy. Yeah, you're not throwing that on your hunting. Yeah. Rifle. What does that weigh total? How you have it set up there? The rifle, it's around 20, about 25 pounds, 24, 25. Because that that those bipods are a little over two pounds themselves. So. Oh, okay. A little bit more. Uh, bring that mic a little bit closer. You oh, can bring the sorry. mic to You don't have to go to it. Yeah, there you uh, go. I was looking at your chassis back here. So this, ra- is that a weight? Uh, yes. So, so I've definitely added weights to the chassis. It's an MPA BA chassis. Uh, the weights help take up the recoil so that when you when you shoot, the idea behind PRS is all about spotting your impact. So you want to be able to shoot, stay in the gun, and see where that where that round hits. And the heavier your rifle is to a point, it will definitely help you. Yeah, sure. Help you see that way you can make a correction and engage again. You have a name for this? Not like yet. A personal name? Not yet. <laughs> Spencer, you got a name for yours? Massive debt. <laughs> no, I haven't, haven't made a name. I actually put this one together over the winter. So um, the barreled action I, I had put together in a different stock and scope setup, and I moose hunted with it last year. Um, well, yeah, so the, the actual barrel that's attached to the action was in a different stock, and then I changed things up and moved some equipment around for this year. Um, but, yeah, no, I've, uh, I haven't killed anything with it yet. I mean, when you say you're changing it up, I mean, that sounds so intimidating to someone like me. But you made it sound so well, easy earlier. Like, oh, I just, like, unscrewed it and put this one on there. And I mean, like, it's oh, a man. rabbit hole, bro. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, you got to pick and choose your rabbit holes. Yeah. Okay. And you can only have so many rabbit holes because you only got so much time in a day. Yeah. Or money. And so you just haven't <laughs> gone down. You just haven't gone down this one yet. Yeah. No, I haven't, but I would like to. But yeah. you're a nerd. So oh, yeah, you'll I love could, this yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you'll love will. it. It's just ching, ching, ching rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bank account might Yeah, it's an expensive rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, before you continue, I, I see there's two different bar- like barrels. That you have the stainless and you have the carbon. Is that just wrapped around stainless? Yeah, so ultimately if you were to take the carbon off, it would look like two big chunks of steel and then there would be a thinner, straight, profiled barrel underneath all of that. Okay. And then Proof Research is the one that makes the barrels and they wrap it in the carbon material and then you'll mill it off. Got so, it. Um, Two different rifle setups, right? So his is the his PRS rifle that he's geared towards competition. Um, you saw mine over there in the back. But um, this is kind of my hybrid rifle you know all built it solely for hunting right but if i wanted to i could swap the barrel and shoot a prs match with it it's fundamentally going to be very similar to my competition rifle so you know we have that saying in the military you know train or fight like you train train like yep. you fight mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm-hmm. where if i get behind this gun it's going to feel f- very similar to the rifle that i'm going to be using in prs so when i'm getting on that rifle and i see an animal in the crosshairs it feels very similar to what i'm doing monthly or weekly yeah or just just so people understand um the difference why would you have to swap the barrel in terms of um i guess you could say cost effectiveness right so actions these days and that's your receiver right where your bolt is inside of that um, the technology has grown to where me, as the end user, I can change barrels in my garage. So for this rifle specifically, if you wanted to spend a decent amount of money and only have one rig, but use that one rig for multiple different things, mm. this rifle with this barrel right, is 300 WSM. So a decent hunting round. That's yeah. what I would use. Um, that's why I, I built this specific one. But it's on a short action. Meaning it's not a long action like a 300 wind mag. It's not a long bolt throw. So I can change the bolt head on the actual bolt to uh, be a smaller round. So if I wanted to buy a, a 223, right, or a 243 barrel for this, I can go online, buy a pre-fit barrel, take it in my garage, unscrew the stock with two screws, pop it into a vise, and pop that action mm. off. And by changing the magazine and the bolt head and barrel i have basically the same rifle chambered in a completely new caliber mm-hmm. for a completely new job yeah and so only one background check <laughs> and only one background check pretty much but you would do that because you can't shoot this round in prs so in certain situations like this one i personally wouldn't could i yeah i could um oh they with, allow it they, yeah they would allow this one um it's all based on your caliber overall um and then the speed um so this one i think would be legal um but i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend this caliber for it you were saying earlier when we weren't on the air just just so people know like um this would be like what was that speed that they don't want you over? 3,000? Anything over 3,200. 3,200. Yeah, and that's mainly just for the longevity of the steel because usually small and fast is what kills steel. Um, and anything above that speed tends to dent, and then when you're denting AR500, then you cause potential ricochets back, and then it's not going to, you know, it, it's going to wear the steel out a lot more. Yeah, the so, targets. Yeah. 
definitely. So when you guys, so when you guys are shooting competition, what is the size of the steel you're shooting and the ranges that you shoot at in in the competition? So for PRS and the range that we have, we're at the thousand yard range in Upper Susitna. You're not allowed to shoot anywhere from 300 and in. So we have targets ranging from 300 to 1,000. And what we target is not necessarily a particular size per se. It's more like an MOA. So rule of thumb is one inch at 100 yards is one MOA. Uh, one MOA at 200 yards is two inches, et cetera. So we try to be in the two MOA range. That means at 1,000 yards, two MOA is about 20 inches. So it scales depending on what range you're at. Okay. So the target sizes change. Yeah. And so you so your scoring is just a hit. Yeah, one one impact is one point typically, unless the match director does something interesting. Gotcha. But rule of thumb, yeah. One one yeah, impact. I feel one, like one this point. podcast could be seven hours long. Because if we <laughs> even if we just covered MOA and Mills, like yeah. that could be like an hour and a half right oh, there yeah. alone. Just MOA. Just trying to explain MOA to people is is very like yeah they don't get it we need to get a whiteboard in here so we can make some yeah, pictures. <laughs> yeah sounds like we need a gra some graph 100%. paper and uh <laughs> some calculators yeah. okay. so when you go to the shooting competitions when you guys are actually shooting like how how is the scoring system is it like out of 100 shots and you're di doing different distances like what does the average day like look like so in alaska we typically do one day matches we're trying to branch out and have some bigger matches in the future, but right now we're single day. We usually have check-in around 8 a.m., and we try to be done shooting by 2 p.m. That way people can get home and hang out with the family. It's, you can have a fun Saturday, but we shoot about eight to nine stages. So we have different stages. So for a course of fire, we'll say one stage you're going to shoot 10 rounds at X target, and then stage two you're going to shoot x rounds off of this prop for at this target etc so we try to keep it eight to nine stages be done by two o'clock around that time frame and it's a single day come out and have fun got it got it what are the different props so uh we have multiple multitude of different props we're not just belly shooting mm -hmm. and that's the kind of what prs is is known for we have a uh, the standard prs barricade which is a four position barricade it's just is that that wood thing yep i'll actually pull that up real quick he had it on his page what's that called the uh, prs barricade it's the prs, PRS barricade. skill stage ours is very rudimentary because if you look it up on uh some of the other like this one yeah that one is that one's a, a prs barricade it's well, I don't want to get too far into the weeds. It's not to spec, but that one's one the one I built to train off of. Okay. So it's like kneeling, crouching, standing. Yeah. So, And the PRS skill stage is one that we have at every match. It's an eight-round stage, two rounds from each position, and it's a 10-inch plate at 400 yards. Okay. There are the fastest i think a pro has shot it in in competition is around 36 seconds oh so man. it's oh so it's timed and accuracy yeah and that one is typically our our tiebreaker so okay yeah, spencer okay. and i end up with the same amount of points at the end of the match whoever shot that stage faster wins the match oh okay. got so it, is it got it, it 
Uh, I guess I have another question about is every gun a bolt gun? Does anyone run gas guns? We do have gas guns. There, so it's a allowed. Oh, it's a different division. It's a different division, okay. but we don't have enough uh, people to fill the divisions in Alaska, so you're pretty much shooting open. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we do have divisions. And what we do, so we report our scores to PRS proper, so that way your scores are being counted, so you will stack up against uh, the other divisions within the lower 48. Yeah, or nationwide. At least in our, our region. So in an open class, you can run whatever. Yeah, it's whatever, oh. as long as it fits within the speed limit and the... Yeah, the speed limit is about all it is. There's not a grain limit? No. And for our club, we we typically say no magnum calibers because it... it Steel is expensive. Yeah. Has any been looked into like an optical sensor that that judges like where on the steel you hit? You know, because it it doesn't matter where you hit on the steel right now, right? As long as you hit the plate. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, they have all this stuff like in soccer now seems like you could have some sort of optical sensor that knows where it hit and then you know you get more points for hitting the middle of a oh, 10 like inch a target plane within for, the target yeah instead yeah, of, it's not set up like an archery target where you have different score right right that's f class so we do have a uh, some guys that shoot f class up here they're the alaska rifle club uh-huh. but that's all belly shooting they have a 600 and a thousand and they're shooting paper but they have a an optical setup so it when when you shoot it shows where that where that round went uh, oh, okay. went through the target. Can you explain gas? You know, did you say gas gun? So uh, just not a bolt, so it's semi-automatic. Oh, it just does it on its own. Yeah, yeah, like a yeah. AR. Okay, or. gotcha, 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 gotcha. And that uses like the gas release from the gun, right? Yeah, yeah to, to chamber drive. the next round. Yeah. So, um, explain the um the position setup. I mean, prone is on your on your on the floor, right on the ground. Yeah, that's your Just, belly. Okay, belly. And then what are the other ones? So then where that rifle is sitting right now, that would be a kneeling position. And then the next one up would be a, a standing position. So those are kind of the the basic three. Okay. Uh, you got prone, you got kneeling, and you got standing. And then you have different positions in between. You can have a modified prone. So if you have a, like say we have, we have barrels that we shoot off of as well. And so if you have the barrel long ways and laying on its side, you could set up your your bipods, and you can shoot off of a bag in the back. You're kneeling behind it, but you have three points of contact, so it's modified prone. Okay. Basically shooting prone. Got it. Got it. Uh, another prop that we have is the cattle gate. We shoot the it's – a, it's a four-foot cattle gate, and then like they have on ranches, but you have the different tiers, so you can shoot off of those. That kind of tests on how well you can get into position. So you could have high kneeling, low kneeling. It's – Makes it a little bit more interesting. Yeah. That's when that yoga class comes in handy. Oh, oh, there yeah. you go. Yep. Do you find, like, personally, like, you have a favorite position or something, a certain position you shoot better in for you versus Spencer? Or is it like you want to be great in all of them? Is there one that you're like, oh, I'm always better at this? Well, that's going to be prone for pretty much everybody. Okay. Um, everybody shoots prone the best. Got that's it. where you're going to be the most stable Got versus, it. like, in the kneeling, you're going to. You'll have you can get good bone support and you can have a you can have pretty much zero wobble. Wobble is that's kind of like if you're if you're pointed at the target, you can see your crosshairs do kind of a figure eight. Okay. That that's what we're referring to as a as a wobble. Okay. Got it. Uh, we have a rooftop simulator, so we can 
we bring out the rooftop, got shingles on and everything, so you're at an angle that forces you to shoot off of off of that. We have a set of steps. We have a tank trap, which is four four by fours, kind of at different angles. We shoot off of the tank trap. Um, another prop- are those for fun, or those will be included in competitions? In competitions, we'll shoot off of oh, okay. most of these every time. Yeah. Okay, right on. Uh, I think we have some of the some of the other props shown on our on our website under the match directors, like the about us. The angled shots. That's interesting. Um, I want to actually real quick give a shout out to Philip uh, Vallejo. He was on our show several episodes ago. He does a really good job with his videos. Like I did see one of his wobble videos that he was explaining about it. He does such an excellent, such high quality what he's doing with explaining all that stuff. So anyone that wants to really like check that out, um, I would go to his, what's his Instagram? Um, I know it's Modern Sniper is the website, um, but his Instagram, I think, where he does a lot of his videos. Maybe just search it real quick. Vallejo. Maybe it's just Modern Sniper. Vallejo. Vallejo. I like to say Vallejo. Modern Sniper. Yeah, I think there's going to oh, be a bunch so of posts. Put, him, put his name in. Maybe. Yeah. Modern Day Sniper. Modern Day Sniper. That's what his is. Yeah. That might get you there. Fill up. Yeah, if you're wanting to, to join PRS and see what's all about, just visit his page. And, I mean, you could get lost for hours watching the stuff that he does. And, you know, he hooks up a scope cam. So everything he does, you'll see him in the positioning, and then you'll also see the view through the scope. Which is seeing, so cool, man. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah he, yeah, he has, like, the view through the scope, the view of him. There'll be, like, sometimes, like, three or four different angles. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so Modern Day Sniper, yeah, that, if you go to that. A Modern Day Sniper on Instagram – I'll go to give those guys a follow. Um, Phillip's on there, and, and I forgot who his partner's name is, but, man, they do an excellent job explaining all these, like, technical terms and all this stuff that's just, like... And he's very humble, too. I know he goes to, to uh, these competitions, and he's not, like, the top dude. You know, he was like, I don't know. I kind of, like, fell off, and, yeah, you know, I mean, he's trying to figure it out. Well, and he's been he's been the top cat for a little bit, and then, yeah, I haven't really followed him that much in the PRS stuff in terms of where he's at in the standings, but, oh, man, it's... It's tough competition being anywhere close to where he's at. It's, yeah, I think I saw really last, good. like, I don't know, long, long, he was, like, dropped down to, like, weighed, like, 50 or something like mm-hmm. that. And I was, he's just, like, talking about it. I was like, I didn't even know that there was this, like, you know, numbered system of dudes who are the top dudes. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, there it is right there. Oh, uh, back, in the, back in the day, I want to say it was, like, five or six years ago, I think Phil, Phil Vallejo, he won the – the NRL championship was it NRL or PRS? Um, I don't remember, but he, Luke he did. He did take the top spot one time. And <laughs> I Phil, saw that. So that was one of the reasons that I found out about Alaska Wild Project is I was searching for more content for Phil Vallejo, and it turned out he knew you guys and was on your podcast and been a listener ever since. Yeah, he's a really really nice guy, man. And then, uh, yeah, and then you contacted me after that because we were talking about is anyone doing these classes up here? You know, because he's offering classes, and I see he's, like, going to, like, Georgia and Florida, and I was like, man, you got to come up here and do it. And then you reached out, and he said that he knew some guys that were out here doing it, and I think he, he kind of pointed me in your guys' direction, and then you happened to contact us, and I was like, oh, perfect. 
right? It might have been us, but uh, I know uh, you, you've you talked about the Wiggy sleeping bag. So Mark Taylor, he, he also does uh, some long-range instruction. Oh, he so does too? Okay. What we do, we do the PRS game. So we every year we hold a PR, intro to PRS clinic, which is we it's for people that are interested in competition but you're kind of on the fence you don't really know you don't you're scared to kind of just show up we say come out and shoot with a clinic with us we'll give you the rundown we'll have experienced shooters out there teaching you the ropes it's the the class that spencer and i wish would have been around when we first started because mm. everything that we're teaching it was kind of we figured out for ourselves yeah <laughs> right but so when is that class it's a Mother's Day weekend. I want to say it's 13, 14. Oh, it's coming up. 12 or 13 May. Yeah. 12 or 13 May. Nice. It's on uh, the schedule of the website. We have a we have a link in there. If, you, if you're interested and you want to go to the website and check it out, website is LRS, Long Range Shooters, so lrsalaska.com. And uh, on the schedule we have... Uh, or on the homepage, we have a button that's intro to PRS that'll okay, give you yeah. information about it. We have a flyer on there. You have my contact info is on there. We have the the email for for the club. Mm-hmm. There's a registration form on there, and the registration form it kind of gives you the overview of what you think what we think you'll need as far as gear. You need a rifle. You need you know, like good sturdy clothing. You'll need some match grade ammo, dope for your rifle. And then gives you a, a basic agenda of what we're going to go over. So, like day one, it's going to be mostly classroom. We'll have like maybe half hour, forty five minutes, give you an overview, do talk about the safety, make sure that everybody's going to be safe. And then we'll go Saturday. We'll have the prop set up. We'll run you through some stages and show you how we would approach the stage. What we do a little bit of demo for you. You'll do some shooting. And then on Sunday, we'll have a mock match where you'll shoot against the other the other uh people that are taking the class and that way you can kind of have your your first you have the instruction and follow it up with a match and then two weeks later is the very first prs match of the season oh okay so you can go right into the class learn how it goes down and jump into the competition if you feel like it's for you and it's very affordable 200 bucks for the weekend to go out there and learn that's that's great how many rounds would they need to show up with uh, I I don't remember what I put on there. I don't want to go against what's on the registration form, but I want to say it's around no more than two hundred. We're not going to let you shoot more than two hundred over the weekend. I want to say it's closer to one hundred and fifty. And what do you recommend as far as like if someone's like they're real new, they've they've never shot long range, like and you like where would they go to get dope? Like if people don't even know what that means. So our our PRS clinic, well. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention about the clinic. First, you you mentioned the cost. It's 200 bucks. It's for two days, and nobody's getting paid by this. That 200 bucks. It's one of our biggest fundraisers for the year. That's how we we make the props. We buy the steel, maintain all the stuff. It's it yeah. Go. We buy our merch. It it's a what uh, helps us keep the club going. Mm-hmm. So nobody's getting paid from it. Everything is all volunteer ran, and then we expect that. A shooter that's showing up to it that you already know how to shoot long range this is not intro to long range this is intro to prs oh got you okay okay but, gotcha but there's a company in town accurate advantage owner is sarah stallone yeah. she shoots mm. with us quite a bit uh, we're going to be doing some of some bolt gun training 
And the day before our intro to PRS clinic, we have an intro to long range. So if you want to learn how to shoot long range and then shoot the PRS clinic, you can have a three-day weekend and come out and do it all. Do it all. Get dope for your rifle. And then. So to sign up for that, you'd go to Accurate Advantage? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. She, she does really good, good stuff. Yeah. What was her name again? Sarah Stallone with Accurate Advantage. Sarah Stallone, of course. Played hockey with her husband, Tony, for a long time. Sarah Stallone. I think that might be who I met out at Birchwood. Oh, when she was Tony. I think I have a card in uh, my truck. She, I think that's who it was. She has a wicked handgun course for women. It's like an all-women one. Oh, that was and the one the ladies were going to go Yeah, do? the one that we were going to Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she does all kind of stuff. That's cool. Yep, and the she's also holding like a, a women's only bolt gun, and oh, okay. kids only bolt gun. So, oh really? If there are women that are, if you're a little bit intimidated by going out, and there's going to be other dudes out there, yeah. take the women's course. That way, you can be around other other women. And there's also a kids course. So, I remember in one of your podcasts, you were talking about how it might be a little intimidating. You take your kid out there. Yeah, and, but if you oh. see a bunch of other kids out there, yeah. I think kids are less intimidated than than adults. Because I think adults are intimidated because they feel like they should know how to do it. You know what I mean? There's a barrier when yeah. you're an adult when you, that yeah. you don't have when you're a kid. Yeah, like You're not as embarrassed when you're a kid, when you don't know something. When you're an adult and you're like... I mean, I have friends that... Like, I have a friend that was 30, and he asked me, like, literally looking at a bullet, was like, so that whole thing just, like, goes like a rocket? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, are you being serious right now? Because you did grow up in Alaska, so this is an awkward question. <laughs> well, I'm interested in the kids thing, and even as a dad, I'm sure you go and let the kid go, and you can be like listening, like, okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, learn a little bit yourself, oh, I'd too. love to have my wife run all that. I would love to run all of it. I mean, you can never take enough courses. 100%. So uh, are all those bolt classes up in, in Talkeetna? Uh, there, there are different ones. There's uh, – so – Ours is only at Intel Kita, right? So for long range shooters of Alaska, mm-hmm. but Accurate Advantage is running classes at Rabbit Creek and Birchwood mm-hmm. and Telkeetna. So okay. kind of getting all over. I think they're, yeah. I don't think we're doing any bolt gun stuff in Kenai, but I'd have to double check it. Yeah. No. Is it, is anyone working on a longer range or closer to Anchorage than Talkeetna? Uh, we got Birchwood and that's about all we got. Yeah. Birchwood yeah, goes out to 300. Their limit. Like, I don't think they can really push any further because they're on the, edge of the water yeah yeah so in terms of uh, prs stuff i mean they have 300 uh 300 yards and that's where they cap out at another thing to think about too is and that's um just came out at birchwood is their hosting was called a prs 22 so it's the same game only you're shooting 22 long rifle oh that's cool so instead of going there and spending you know $150 $150 in ammo, you would go pick up a, a brick at Sportsman's or yeah. Bass Pro and you're out of 30 bucks. Yeah. And these guys are shooting, you know, real tiny targets, but they're shooting them at inside of 300. Yeah. You know? mm, Game's really the same. I would like yeah. to do that. That yeah. would be fun. And they're, they're offering that um, right now at Birchwood. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Kevin is putting, or Craig. Craig, Craig is putting that on. Um, 
So we kind of tried to initiate it last year at Tel Keatner range, but getting people to make that commute to shoot yeah. at 22 was kind of rough. Yeah. So now Birch was actually being really accommodating and, and letting us host this match there. And yeah. it's starting to get some traction. So Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool event. I would, I would be interested. Hell in yeah. Big oh, time. It's, Absolutely. it's good fun. It really yeah. is. Take the lever gun. Yeah. How do people get more info on that yeah. one? Uh, it's going to be on Birchwood's website. Okay. I should believe that it's going to be on their schedule. And then also, I want to say on um, some of our Facebook pages, you'll see posts for the PRS 20. Oh, yeah. What is there. the Facebook page? Uh, we'll pull that up. Now, do you, have, do you have to be a member of the Birchwood? I know they went from yes. open to it's membership only now. But even to go to the, those like classes and oh, stuff. Oh, I don't know on a match. They on might the match, have day passes. I have. No, I don't know. On the match, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know enough to say. I think you don't have to be a member, but I'm not too sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess you call them and find out. I know for classes. So if you're taking an accurate advantage class, you don't need to be a member of Birchwood to shoot them. Okay. Shoot the class. Got it. Kind of included. Got it. But I'm not sure about the PRS 22, and if uh. So our Facebook group, we kind of, with it being firearms related, we have it as an invite or a closed group. So it's not just anybody can come and join. But if you're very interested or you're somewhat interested, you can send an email to the Long Range Shooters of Alaska email on the website and we'll get you in touch with the right people and very quick to respond. Okay, good. Now, when on the range, where is that range in Talking? Is that open to the public or is that your guys' own little thing? Nope, that's open to the public. That's uh, at mile 94 and a half of the Parks Highway. So they're doing bridge construction. So they have the first bridge reconstruction at Sheep Creek. Okay. And there's a second bridge recon reconstruction yeah. just past that, like right there on the on right. On the right? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. okay. It's, right, it's the one right on the highway. Okay, yep. yep. And who owns it? Uh, Upper Susitna Shooters Association. Oh, okay. They're a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. They're all volunteer-ran as well. So Awesome. You, all the ROs are... No, nobody gets paid up there. Yeah, it is a thing of love, right? Like just passion, like people out that's there right. just trying to help each other out and and not charge, and that's awesome. I love that. I love that. We charge so we can keep up steel and and maintain, right? And provide a good experience. That's what we're that's what we're all about. Is the community that PRS brings? It. I mean, I've met some of my best friends from PRS, but. It's a great community, and everybody is very open, very welcome. You ask somebody a question, they're jumping to answer it. You get three different answers; they might all be all be different. Yeah, but you're everybody's willing to help. Or if you need a piece of gear, guys are going to trip over over each other just so they you can use theirs. Yeah, that's great. You you said earlier one of you said um, shooting religiously, and I just wondered like. How much is shooting religiously? Like, what does that mean? How many rounds? Are you yeah, doing? like, what is there a number there? So, I've kind of slowed down this year. A I've, barrel. Yeah. A, a barrel's <laughs> worth. <laughs> One barrel. Yeah. This time last year, I was close to eighteen hundred rounds down the barrel, but this year I'm I'm significantly less. I'm only around three four hundred, which is, sounds like a lot, but it's not really that much when you consider the game that we're doing yeah and you asked is that average in like how many days um, is it like every saturday you're going or twice a week or is it but every saturday usually yeah on the weekends and i d and that pales in comparison to the amount of dry fire that we do so oh, do okay. a lot of dry fire practice 
Got and it. So one of the other reasons that I got into PRS is I bought a cool rifle and I didn't know how to use it. And somebody told me, hey, go do this. But also really liked hunting. And PRS, it kind of transfers into hunting quite a bit. How often are you shooting off your belly at whatever game that pops out in front of you? I mean, yeah, you're, it really helps to know your rifle. And then if you're only going to shoot 20 rounds a year to sight in and maybe harvest an animal, you're not, you don't really know your rifle. So you can also develop pretty bad habits. You can get a flinch, especially if you're shooting big caliber. So yeah. PRS has helped where you're putting a lot of rounds down range. You're getting used to pulling the trigger. You're at, really helps with the buck fever how about yeah. you spencer you shoot way more than i do well i'm kind how of, religious are you so um <laughs> i'm a priest <laughs> i'm kind of i have two sides of the coin right i have my work shooting that i do um and then i have my competition and off time right um i got four kids so uh and a wife that i need to spend time with so I generally only shoot, um, unless I'm zeroing a gun, I'll shoot a competition, right? Or I might shoot three out of the five or three out of the six for the year. Um, and then I'll just go to Birchwood whenever I get a free moment with a friend or whatever and, and just plink. So um, there was a time, I want to say it was like three years ago, back in 2020, when really nothing was going on um, outside of you know staying at home, where I was shooting a lot. You know, we were shooting every single match, you know, even with COVID, we had six-foot distances and stuff and yeah. sanitizing stuff in between stages. You know, we're shooting – I was shooting every single match um, and then going to Birchwood, training, shooting hundreds of rounds through one gun in one day and then changing the barrel on that same gun to go shoot, uh, you know, a match with 200-plus rounds that next day. Yeah. You know, it took a lot away from the family. So um, I kind of tailored it down a lot. You know, um, I got two two brand new barrels sitting in boxes that are, I bought to replace the barrel that's on my gun right now that's sitting over behind the couch, and I haven't even come to halfway through my barrel life, and that was two years ago that I bought those barrels, yeah. anticipating needing them by now, and I've, I've really backed off. Um, I'm kind of a big gun collector, so shooting out a barrel is probably not going to happen for me for a minute because I like to go, you know, give all of the girls the love every yeah, single yeah. time I go to the range, I bring something new and yeah. try to remain proficient with all of it. You know, might be a dumb question, but how, how do you know when the barrel's done? Yeah. So, um, in terms of one of these barrels, right. Um, you're shooting a lot. You're shooting generally for a competitive edge, right? You're shooting a high BC bullet, which your ballistic coefficient, how well that bullet cuts through the air. Um, and generally those bullets are heavier and then you're trying to push it faster, right? You're still within the speed limits of the <coughs> game, but you're trying to, to get that competitive edge and mm. the rifles twist rate, right? So inside the rifle, you have the rifling that actually puts that spin on the projectile for all of the competitive calibers, like six, five, um, Creedmoor or six Creedmoor, there's a one in seven twist or a one in eight twist. It's a real quick uh, amount of um, spin that gets put onto that bullet. And what I mean by one in eight or one in seven, it, that bullet will do one full revolution in seven or eight inches. Okay. So one rev in eight inches or one rev in seven. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that doing, slows down over time. 
So ultimately, what's going to slow down is it's going to eat away the rifling that comes mm. that's right mm. next to the, wears the down, shoulder. Yeah, it wears down. You get fire cracking in the lands. And then when you see that, right, when you know a barrel's going out, you'll either watch your accuracy start to spread. So you'll have that nice, you know, I can cover a, a, the group with a dime. And then now it's like, all right, now I can only cover with a quarter. All right, now it's a silver dollar, right? All right, my, yeah. my grouping's expanding. Mm. Either that or another thing that you notice is the speed will drop. Mm. So we shoot over a chronograph to, to get our dope, right? Uh, data on previous engagement. That's the dope acronym. Um, to be able to accurately know where my bullet's going to be inside of at specific distance, I need to know how fast that bullet is leaving my barrel. So we shoot over a chronograph and plug that into a computer or an app or something like that, where then it'll plug in all the other data that we want to give it, you know, caliber bc muzzle velocity and then it'll tell us like hey at 858 yards your bullet's going to be at 4.5 mils yeah and then we know exactly where that bullet is going to match in its drop pattern Mm -hmm. so we shoot over a chronograph for speed and when you want to see a barrel go out you're going to say all right traditionally i've been shooting at 2900 feet per second well now i'm at 2750 something majorly wrong Mm. happened somewhere right and i haven't changed anything we're all hand loading for all of our calibers. So when you haven't changed the load or the recipe at all and you're drop 150 feet per second, yeah. you know, you know something's up and that's generally the barrel. It's like when you run out of goals in the hockey. Yeah. You wear those sticks, sticks out, stick, baby. You know? wear them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or retape it. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back with some trivia. No, no, no. How's your guys' trivia game? Oof. We're going to find out. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Tailored Restoration, 24-hour emergency home services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you at any time, day or night. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. At Total Truck, you can find brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, iCamper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Linings Bedliners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Alaska Overlander provides 4x4 vehicles and expedition trailers, custom modified for Alaskan adventures and outfitted with rooftop tents, fridges, and all the camping and cooking gear you need to start exploring. Visit them at alaskaoverlander.com. Um, before we get into the uh, trivia, I, I heard you guys, um, I wouldn't say arguing, but like having a little like debate over uh, carbon versus steel. Um, what what's what is that debate? Carbon sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, carbon. Carbon is kind of a new fad that's coming in. And for me, I'm a little bit more old school and I like to stick to the wood, wood. hockey stick. 
Yeah. What, what's tried and true? <laughs> oh, let, Spencer's got the carbon barrel. I'll let you talk yeah, more about it. Yeah, he's got to defend his position. Yeah, yeah. I have quite a few carbon barrels. So just, <laughs> just put that out there. Um, from the testing that I've done and everything that I've seen, um, I'm sold. Like, I really enjoy it. I, I like a thicker profile barrel. Um, that's always kind of been like what made a rifle sexy, right? A heavier profile barrel on there. Okay. Um, for me, it's the stiffness that it provides for the barrel and then the shaving of the weight. I mean, you, okay. Yeah. I knew there had to be some kind of weight big thing difference, there. Big difference in profile or weight saving. So if you were to have the same exact barrel in steel, you're probably going to gain two pounds, easily two pounds. Mm. So, okay. How many, uh, you feel it's just as consistent even with like a five shot group? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it would in my experience, I think it is the same to be honest as as a heavier bull barrel, um if not in certain situations. Not getting flyers. Yeah, in certain situations um depending on the atmosphere you're shooting in, right? If you were down in Texas and it was hot, right? Well, the carbon isn't going to get as hot as a steel barrel sitting in the sun, just an ambient temperature. Sure. Right. So adding rounds through it then is going to make it worse, right? Make that barrel heat up hotter than it was. And I think the carbon fiber is going to definitely let it off gas some of that heat quicker, mm. right? It's going to dissipate that heat out of the barrel faster than just a bare steel barrel would. If you talk to a hundred guys, would be the carbon versus steel? Well, you'd have, to, you'd, you'd have to talk to 100 people that knew about this. Okay. Or you'd have to talk to 100 people that were in kind of like the profession of shooting and, and the realm of okay. what these guys have to offer. Now, there's there's a couple different companies out there now, and probably more than six or seven companies providing carbon fiber barrels. Um, what companies do that the best? I think Proof Research is probably the one that's top tier They've been doing it the longest. Well, they've I been believe. doing it the longest, I yeah. believe. Yeah. yeah. By far. So. Is, is the rifling wearing faster though in those? I haven't noticed any okay. any difference mm. in the rifling. Uh-huh. Um, well, Kevin's got something to say here. That was just a burp. Oh, uh-huh. no, no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, so he, he got scared and didn't want to defend the steel barrel. All right. No, I, I haven't noticed anything in the rifling. And also, I mean, that's the steel within the barrel. Right. Right. That's if they're using a high grade steel, which you know they are, it's gonna yeah. be it's a, almost a thousand dollars for just a barrel, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, they're it, gonna be using the same steel, right? Yeah, they're gonna be using high quality stainless. stuff. So I, I, from what I've seen, longevity wise, I mean, these things are built like tanks. Yeah, they really are. What so. kind of steel are they using? Stainless four sixteen, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's gonna be high grade stuff. Yeah. You know, and there's different, you know, when you get into the steel barrels, right? There's there are different grades of steel that companies use to right. make a barrel, you know, harder, stiffer, or softer, and then the rifling inside, whether that be 5R, which is mean how many lands or grooves you have and then mm-hmm. different twist rates and then Bartlein actually came out with their was it Bartlein that left-hand twist the gain twist barrels, so they have those, and then they have the left-hand twist barrels. Well, and the way they're putting in the rifling, too. Like. Right. So traditionally, bullets are going to spin right, right? So the, the when you, gun goes off. Oh, they've got the Japanese toilet one going? Yeah. So they, yeah, Or it they, goes the other way? Yeah, so they actually Australia. have. Australia. Yeah, yeah, they have. Australia, uh, too? Yeah. Oh, really? So what's, yeah. the, what's the thought process there? I believe the thought process was it's going to take away the spin drift. So spin drift is you if you had a level range and you put the gun level and down range and fired if there was no wind at all it's still going to go right 
you know, because it's spinning oh, and to the right. Got it, right. got it, got it. So to eliminate some of that spin drift, they're going to throw it left. Well, wouldn't it just go left? Yeah. It 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 does go left. So um, wouldn't it? So what? So which way does the Earth rotate? Because that'd be Coriolis, right? Oh man, we're gonna <laughs> right. so, so, you'd be <laughs> so you'd be battling the Coriolis effect, yeah. depending on which way you're shooting, yeah. north, south, east, west. Yeah, that's you, right. You'll have some. Yeah, of that. yeah. So I mean, it's, it's getting real right. complicated. Yeah. Oh, you shoot north, you gotta go left hand twist. <laughs> hey, that's shoot right. right. South, yeah. you gotta go right hand twist. This is a deep rabbit hole, dude. Oh, way <laughs> deeper than you think. I'm gonna get on YouTube tonight. And just, start with, you, just start with just start with archery first. Just start with the archery rabbit hole. <laughs> no, there's it's a little no, shallow. I got a couple rabbit holes. I got to go down. All right, Jackie. Do we have a good, uh, you know, trivia song? Can oh, you guys man, do a still, trivia beat. I figured you guys would still be playing. We are the oh, champions. That's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what we should have played. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. I figured that was like in the locker room oh, on repeat. Uh, do we even play that? I think it was Wu Tang. Yeah, we was uh, playing that. You guys are. It felt good, man. I, I could have listened to anything. Protect it could have been neck. opera. Yeah, <laughs> that was before the game. Oh, and then yeah. at the end, we ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah, that's right. Mm. <laughs> All right, go All ahead, right. So in 2002, a new world record long-range rifle record was set. Um, how? And we're, so we're going to start over here because you guys probably know this answer. So you guys answer last. Uh, how many yards was it? Yards or meters? It says yards. Just checking. So it was an American. So the longest, repeat the question. So in 2022, okay. a new record, new world record for the longest rifle shot, long range rifle shot was made. On a target or on a, a target? Human. It was on a target. Oh. Yeah, we're not talking about war. Oh. What? So what kind Canadian of barrel? Though? I need to know what kind no, of barrel. No, it was. no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, it was long. Okay, yeah, long. Uh, I'm gonna, shoot, I gotta man, these math. guys are doing do a thousand. I'm gonna say. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna say. How many feet are in a mile? And thousand, we're doing in what? In, in, in yards? Fifty-two eighty. Fifty-two. Seventeen hundred sixty. And you guys normally do a thousand yards out there is the range. I'm gonna say eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. I would say 4,400. 4,400? Whoa. Someone's off. Spencer? I think it was low five, so it was like 5,100 yards. Right. 51. Kev? Uh, I, was, I thought you were going to be pretty close with around 4,400 also. I thought it was like two and a half miles. I know there was a new, a new world record like sniper shot that was taken by the Canadians not too long ago. I think the Canadians hold like the top five of those. <laughs> Okay, right. so a team of long-range shooter experts in Wyoming shot a th shot that was seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-four oh, yards Jesus. or four point four miles. They shot it with a four sixteen Barrett. Yeah. Jesus. What did they shoot? How big was that target? A barn door. It didn't say. Yeah, how it's big a. It was. It's like billboard size. I mean, if you were to compare, it, it's probably the size of a Honda Civic. Yeah, it doesn't large. say that. It doesn't say it. It said it took How 24 and a half seconds. How is that scope on that rifle? It's it exactly, had to have been like that. You're right. No, say so they have a custom machine mount, and the angle of that scope is... It had to have been 
15 it, inches off the you rifle. You could probably pull it up up here. Yeah, and show yeah. And talk about it later, but With the it's prism on front. yeah, and they have what's called a what is it? Charlie Treyarch, I think, is a it's a unit on the front that clips onto the the end of your uh, objective bell. That's basically a prism. It's a mirror that you would look through it, and then it would bounce that image up and uh, up top. So you're adding more elevation so even adding more scope. elevation to it so because yeah. you couldn't get enough nope. moa yeah 4.4 4. oh okay, there you there go is. oh, oh yeah. wow there, there it is right oh there. so there's the prism on the front that looks like the fat bastard that does look like the fat bastard so so sure. for people that can't um are not watching on youtube uh basically the scope is on top of another like look wedge yeah. look at like a two action. by four that size action, thing. like goes back like the whole length of the fucking lock dude that's yeah, ridiculous it's, it's a mcmillan tac 50 action so 50 bmg is what it's normally Jesus. tailored to yeah but they chambered it in 416 barrett so what's a prism do so um much like a periscope right for a submarine you're uh -huh. looking at a mirror and then it's bouncing off uh, other stuff mm -hmm. what that does is it adds more like calculations to your drop right uh -huh. so it makes you look lower because they are. would have to put that scope would be at such yeah. an extreme angle right. that it wouldn't work yep look yeah. at it like hey that's gotta be awkward to a, shoot it like can you that, make no? me a cheek weld that goes up seven inches please <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> uh what sure we can do that and it also doesn't say how many shots they took, but oh, a it's lot. a lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> you can watch some of these. I think the one before this was right around Kevin's guess at like just high, uh, kind of mid 4,400 or, mm -hmm. yeah, 4,500, 4,400 yards. And, I mean, they're, they're going out there with like 100 rounds. Yeah. 100 rounds of that's a lot. You know, yeah. that's a, a 50 BMG is equivalent to a quarter stick of dynamite. A four, 416 Barrett's just under that. So, I mean, that's Those a lot. Are hot too. That's a lot of boom yeah. for a day. Yeah, dude, that's that's insane. Do you know how many seconds you think it took before it hit? Oh, um, I'm going to say eight. I'm going to say like 35. 26. <sighs> I was so off. 26.1? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was 24 and a half. 24 seconds? Yeah, yeah dude. Do you know how far that is? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I wonder what the velocity was exiting and hitting. Is this like, is Probably it going down? Is it six? Are they shooting like downhill? <laughs> is, is this like straight on? No, I bet it was flat. Yeah. Flat? Yeah, either flat or into a valley. Well, I don't think I bet they I bet they wouldn't I don't know if they'd get the record if it was uh downhill because that's shortening. Okay. Yeah, they probably I bet you it had to be pretty relatively flat in order for it to be a world record. So I think what they do is they'll go on like Onyx and point, you know, on a GPS spot from one spot and then a straight line distance to where their target is and that's where they're judging that distance. Mm. You know, um up down of you know the topography of the land doesn't add to you know distance or anything like that it's it's point a point b straight okay. line mm -hmm. you know if it's shooting into a depression and you're at, you know you're just giving that bullet more time to go up and then come down yeah so but man yeah these guys are yeah. some of these guys are pretty nuts that is 4.4 they're nerding out big that's time. not a kill shot though <laughs> no, that's a I wouldn't want to get hit with unless it. you're killing a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. still, that's yeah. insane. At insane. What, at what point do we just label this artillery? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, yeah. Th- right there, you do. That's that's exactly what. That's that artillery. Is. That's a, definitely <laughs> artillery. Yeah. <laughs> Just cool calling in an airstrike oh from my God. buddy, the sniper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has a prism on his rifle. All right. So next question. Earlier, we we're talking about sportsmen um, c- contributing to conservation. So I, w- I was looking for the annual amount. I didn't find the annual amount, but I did find an interesting amount. So how much have sportsmen contributed to conservation um, since 1937? And when all- they enacted it? Well, no, just, you know, sportsmen in general contributing to conservation. So it's like, you yeah, know. As a whole. Yeah, as a whole. Through the Pittman-Robertson Act, though. Yeah. Is this like Alaska or is it North America or is it no, worldwide? Uh, United North States. America. Yeah, North America. United States. United States. $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got to be. I mean, it's got, well, how many years is that? 36. 36. 85? And you're fast. You said 85? No. Oh. He said 85. It's got to be, it's got to be over $100 billion. $100 billion? Yeah. I, I, think now, I think now, I think now the, I think nowadays the Pittman-Robertson Act is over $2 billion a year. Really? I'm pretty sure. Because it's, it's, and it's mostly not hunters, to be perfectly honest about it. It's mostly people who just shoot. Mm. People want to get, like, hunters take the credit for it. And we're a big part of it. But these guys going out and shooting 100 rounds and are buying, like, hunters, like, the average hunter, right, goes out, like you said, shoots 20 rounds to zeroes rifle and then he goes hunting that's not a lot of money spent shooters people who go and shoot all the time yeah but people are still stacking up ammo even if you just go shoot yeah i know but you know yeah it's i was telling my wife i think it's got to be over 100 billion 100 i'm gonna say 87 to be exactly you gotta give an exact number you can't say over 100 well i'm saying 100 and 100 billion then okay that's what i'm saying 100 i'm gonna say 87 I'm going to say a half trillion. Whoa. No pressure, Spencer. <laughs> we'll go with 92 billion. Damn. Uh, it's 14 billion total. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a little yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 14 billion? Yeah. That can't be right. I think it's like 2 billion a year right now. Well, maybe it just started, is, like, started yeah. getting crazy. This is from the Fish and Wildlife Service. Huh. And when you said like contrib- contribute to conservation, like I'm curious as to exactly what's going and what they're calculating. Well, I, I'm assuming it's have. just the Pittman Robertson Act. Yeah, no, it's just the Pittman, which is the, was enacted. Yeah, then. yeah, it's, it's just not like, and, and that comes donation. out of what, like that anything that has to do with firearms or hunting or hunting. Or hunting. So does that yeah. include backpacks? No. Targets. So, targets. So anything that has to do with shooting. Uh, Guns. The taking of game, yeah. So not not transporting game, the taking of game. Bow and arrows, crossbows, uh, ro- Cases? I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah, I wouldn't know that. Hmm. And then there's a there's a fishing Beers? one too, and yeah, I don't no, I don't know if you have fishing right. yeah, five hundred trillion. Man, like that, seem, that seems super low. That seems super low. Wow. Okay. I feel like that thing. I could have swore that I've heard Renella talk about how that's like a couple billion a year. Wow. I mean, you think about it. How many firearms get sold a year? 
Nah, how about what? What's the money? The they gotta have a distribution of where <laughs> that money's go. going to. There you go, right there. They would also be unable to meet public demand for outdoor recreation or support hunter education. Oh, the wildlife programs. restoration. Since the inception of the Pittman Robertson Act, more than fourteen billion has passed through the Wildlife Restoration Act. So then we're all right because it's more than fourteen billion. There you go. Yeah, because that's a restoration <laughs> sanction of it. That's not conservation. Yeah, that's wildlife restoration. I don't know. Maybe that's that's not the way I read that. Huh? Yeah. It's I kind mean, of like scroll down a little bit. How the program works? Does it say? Yeah, the Ding Dingle Johnson is the um, fishing, and that was 1950. So maybe there's more and only they got that portion? Yeah, I think fishing game is getting that portion. There's a lot more that goes to it oh, because okay. for conservation, it's not just fishing game. That's going to be... What if you go uh, like Pittman That's going to be buying land um, to uh, make sure that there's travel corridors for elk. Okay, right there. So $1.2 billion was raised in 2020. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, you're totally right. Because here, yeah. Well, oh. Does yeah, it say the breakdown? A, it's a lot of money, dude. So it, that was how much it's gone directly to yeah, fishing to the fishing wildlife problem. Yep. But there's like parks and rec, there's national parks, there's all that comes conservation is way more than just uh yeah. Regardless, it's a lot of money. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. All yeah. you shooters. That's right. And all you hunters. All you hunters. Mm -hmm. All us and hunters. trappers. And hoarders. Fishermen. Preppers. Sweet. Don't forget the guys that ain't shot shit yet. Oh, yeah, the preppers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're waiting to shoot. Yeah, my boy Ron's got probably, I bet he has a million rounds at his house. Guaranteed. Damn. That's actually a really but good question. But he's a firearms like, instructor. He shoots a lot. Like, how many think you should have for each of your guns? I was, like, trying to explain to my wife the other day. In She's these like, times? In these times I mean, right yeah, now? Yeah, like today. She's like, getting what, a little what, scary What do right you think now, you should bro. have? A lot. A lot, a lot. As much as you can fit, a lot. As much as you can afford, more than my wife will allow. Uh, I don't lot. even tell her. I just like just stack it. Yeah, yeah. I run out of chips, but we're not gonna run out of this. No. <laughs> You're buying when everyone else, and when everyone else was buying, <laughs> yeah. when everyone was blowing out the toilet paper in COVID, I was buying ammo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and water I'm like, filters. I can wipe my ass in the shower. Yeah, I bought a water filter. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Like okay, you guys yeah. gonna do that? I'm gonna buy these over here. Um, how long till we're shooting lasers? Mm. Full like, you know, what's the range nothing? on a laser? It's full. Let's go full. Like, what's the word so I'm like, looking for? Not Star Trek, but uh, Star Wars. Let's go Star Wars. Let's go railgun. I think railguns are cooler than lasers. De I mean, the, the Navy actually developed a real gun. Yeah. I, what is I that? I think they scrubbed the project. Magnet. Magnet. So they, they use a magnetic track to accelerate a piece of metal and just have it go out of the barrel. No, you try to push two magnets together oh. and they go. Yeah. Yeah. But well, they've locked it to go. Do that with a giant hockey puck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Whoa. And they shoot missiles it. out of the sky. So the army, I believe, um, I don't know anything about this in terms of mili my military background, but I've seen it. I, I'm pretty sure the, the army has already developed a laser that can, you know, shoot out missiles and just 
from the sky. It's literally just a laser beam that goes up and, and knocks them out. You know, grenades or anything like that. Any kind of thing in this little area. Maybe they're just engraving their name on it. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Army was here. Yeah, they just they just contri- they just did a contract with Things Remembered to yeah. get a giant yeah, exactly. laser yeah. <laughs> engraver. your name in the stars. Yeah. I mean, how long is till that's like, you know, you can Dude. go go down to Walmart and get you a little laser twenty two. Well, if uh, without regulation, not long at all. With regulation, hopefully a long time. When you have have Elon Musk gathering a thousand signatures from other dudes as as smart as Elon Musk and begging the world to put a stop to AI... Yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that someone, if you took away regulation, could build that laser tomorrow. Wow, absolutely. So, like a handheld laser rifle or anything like that. I think that's. I mean, we might see it in our later years. You I know, hope not. not. Not anything soon, but there is some cool stuff coming out that's hit the market from military testing. It's now on the shelf. Is plastic case ammo. So instead of oh. having brass as your casing, right, it's polymer. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it's, was that brand that was? Uh, is that like from a, dudes with like their quick, it was like 3D printing and shot, something like shot. that? It was. It's at Bass Pro on the yeah. shelf. It's expensive. It really is. Um, it's like $62 for 20 rounds. But it, uh, they claim Can we load it? I don't think so. No, I don't think you no. can reload it. That's the issue is that, yeah. I mean, a lot I'm of I'm surprised are, like a 3D yeah. printer dude is not like. Ooh, that, the, oh yeah i think the, that's the Riker grips being built 3d now yeah that stuff's getting popular i mean it works it's amazing which grip is oh my buddy's that's shooting instructor he invented this grip it's like vertically it's a side mounted vertical grip uh-huh so now they're putting controls in it oh so it's like off the side of your rifle so you have more like how you'd shoot a pistol uh-huh so you have like very good recoil um management plus like driving the gun yeah it's faster than this or c grip and then now like putting controls on it so right now they're developing uh controls for um i think the Mer- the marines are trying to do a trial right now to put uh dog canine controls oh on the, on the grip yeah, plus yeah. like light laser yeah, yeah is on there so you're so you're never having to move and then like push to talk communication right like everything could be on it right but we're but it started out like we started making those as a in a mold that was super expensive to build the mold it's like fifty thousand dollars just to build right. the mold and now the um now they're being 3d print yeah just print them yeah mm. yeah that makes me think about the electronic trigger. Like that, we heard a lot about that like ten oh, years uh, ago. Man, what was that company's name? Um, oh, trying to do the like tracking point stuff. Tracking point. I think that's what you're talking because about. Because instead of having to do the pull, you just have a button that you just push. That's not associated with like how easy is that? You know, mm-hmm. just to push a button. Oh. So I know the system that it was a whole complete package that was pushed out, and it was a computer program within a scope. Right, uh-huh. so you were looking at a computer screen, and when it would portray crosshairs and downrange, but then you could select a target. So what you would do is you'd have a, like a little D-pad on your rifle. Oh, I do remember that. You'd hit enter on whatever you wanted to shoot, and it would hold like a little circle over the target you mm. had selected, and then you take the rifle off safe, squeeze the trigger, 
and the yep. trigger would break, but until your crosshairs were immediately over that circle, mm -hmm. the gun wouldn't go off. And then as soon as it oh. went over it, boom, it went off. Yeah. So it was pretty legit. I mean, uh -huh. that I don't think that system's around anymore. No, oh, yeah. but I remember I remember when that was being created, and yeah. they were using it, and you could watch the videos, and it was uh, actually, I, I remember exactly. Um, Kyle. Uh, Sniper guy? Yes. Chris, Kyle. Chris Kyle's mm -hmm. wife used that system wow. and outshot, outshot, um, outshot like a world-renowned sniper. Dang! With that system, like they used her. Yeah, they had a shooting competition, wow. and she shot better than him. And yeah, it was. Uh, you pull the trigger, and then you're just moving. And when the when the crosshairs hit exactly, the gun goes off. Yeah. Damn. I remember that now. That was a crazy thing, but I don't think that company went anywhere. No. I well, because you, so. you, you can't, most states won't allow it for hunting, right? You can't use I electronics. Would, so right. No, and I, I, would, mm. I would like to think that the system back then, because that was what, you know, 10, 12 yeah, years right ago. Yeah, right now it'd be ridiculous. I don't know how that a computer would know. Like now, maybe, if you were to tag a target and then yeah. as the target's moving away, like the dot would follow it. Right. But yeah. here, I think in that was like stationary targets where you'd like that it would hold the dot over it and as long as it's not moving, yeah. you're good. Those yeah, guys right. were showing, when they were demonstrating a lot, it was like predator hunting. Yeah. Like they were using a lot on coyotes and like moving coyotes and then they just track it and the gun would go off. And they were accurate as hell. Wow. Yeah. But you're were, right. I don't I don't think it went anywhere. No. I, I forgot all about that. You can actually find some of those guns on Gun Broker right now. And, I mean, it's a whole tracking point system, and you can still buy them. Yeah, my buddy if, has that Burris. Uh, Eliminator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, um, man, that's been out for a minute. Yeah. And what they've is gotten that? really good. It's a scope where it's, a, it's got a rangefinder in it. Oh, so okay. you like you range find you hold it on and you range find and then it it gives you dope. Okay. So it, you you enter in some calculate. I mean it's like it's the same thing that like I mean that was another thing that we didn't cover. Like we covered guns, but like if you're gonna do PRS, like you're gonna need other stuff, and you guys didn't really cover that. Like sure, yeah, range finder. We keep throwing out the dope acronym, and one of the easiest things to do is go on the Apple Store or wherever you download an app and download a ballistic calculator mm. and just mess around with it. Yeah. Um, it's gonna ask you, what was that? Maybe. Yeah, applied ballistic, um, applied ballistics, Hornady Four DOF is their yeah. app. Um, uh -huh. I use the Hornady app mainly because I shoot Hornady bullets. Mm -hmm. um, so. You can open the app, plug in your speed, your height over bore, your caliber, what bullet you're shooting, the ballistic coefficient, the weather that you think you'll be shooting in, and then <laughs> the app is going to spit out exactly, you know, what your bullet's going to do at said yardage. Yeah. So, and Talkeetna wow. is relatively easy because it's a square range, really doesn't change that much. We might have a little bit of right to left or left to right wind yeah. down past 700. Um but generally, it's it's the same time. It's the same range every time. So you're really used to seeing the same exact thing. Um, but you can dial your dope in perfectly. So yeah. you know your rifle. At 700, I know my dope's going to be this. But then you might go out hunting, and it's cold. All right. And mm. at a higher elevation, and it's rainy. The humidity's more. So you got to plug that into the app. And if you plug in good info it'll give you good info out yeah so if you're consistently editing your environment they're shooting in um it's going to give you accurate drop so wow. or you can just spend more money 
and then you can get a rangefinder that does all that for you also and then bluetooth to your phone and it gives you all that <laughs> all right, yeah right on. you have one of those don't you kevin mm-hmm. you have a kestrel and it ties in so i've i've got a kestrel i don't have the link version of it but i do have range finding binoculars with applied ballistics on board so i could laze an animal and it'll pop up my dope and it's giving you like uh barometric pressure temperature altitude oh it takes that into account but it doesn't put it up in the heads up display yeah no but it but in the ballist it's working that in the ballistics and, and like angle and compensation angle. all that this angle is a big one so using that system i've got a first round impact in competition at 1300 yards so and so you won't need any of that for shooting prs with us everything is all known distance well when we go out and set up the match we'll we'll have ranges for everything oh yeah so so you don't need any yet okay yeah so it's great if you want it so you, you just need to know you, the dope of your rifle and show up really what you need all you really need to know is what bullet you're shooting and how fast it's going and if you show up we can we can figure out the rest yeah. have a ballistics calculator what bullet you're shooting make sure it's the same one so sure and and then uh how fast it's going and if, yep. if you don't know how fast it's going show up a little early we'll put a chrono on it and we'll figure out how fast it's going um slightly on topic but slightly different um angle um those like lays kind of on the laser thing i mean there's many times you go on on a trip and you're on this four-wheeler and who knows a thing flipped over or something and you bump the gun how 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 good are those like laser things that you put in the barrel to make sure your thing is that you're still on that it's still on is that questionable okay Yeah. yeah i thought so i've i've never used one i'll just take the bolt out and look down look down the barrel that's the same thing same but different but okay that's how i go manual if i put a new scope on that's that's how i zero i won't i don't worry about going to 25 50 blah 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 put my target out at 100 i'll set it up on the on the bench Pull I'll, the look through, I'll look through the barrel oh i can see it right there and then i'll line up the crosshairs and okay you're on paper every time so i don't as far as the laser thing never tried it wouldn't know okay i just wanted that because i mean let's say you're going on a sheep hunt and you done hike in you know 20 miles and you bumped your thing and you're not going to practice you're not going to go out there and make sure it's on don't bump your shit well t- <laughs> that's uh, not the plan no that bore, that laser bore sight's not going to help you no okay no. i uh, mean I, when you're talking about potentially taking an animal at like 300 400 at somewhere around that range it's a little far but not far out of everyone's like realm of pretty sure i can hit it you know um a pretty solid bump could send you off a little bit but ultimately if it were me what i would check is make sure that if you have exposed turrets on your scope Mm -hmm. that you didn't bump those Mm -hmm. so if you're still zeroed and your scope says you're at zero then that's a comfort for me another thing that i do and you can see it on my rifle is i have a paint pen and i index every single screw every single screw has a mark okay so you know if it's off a little bit if it's backed off in any way and that mount has come loose i know i can see Mm -hmm. like hey lines aren't matching up something got loose yeah so those bore siders what we we like them um but we use them when you do have a bump to make sure that it didn't get bumped real far okay and it in the field you can actually like walk out you know 100 yards or whatever is 50 yards with that little you know sign and it has like the you know the where how far you are and where it should be Feel like a grid yeah it's like yeah. a grid and you can go set that up and then you know that you didn't like really fuck it up 
Yeah. You know, it it's like a quick little test. And that's going to be that's going to fall on like the quality of that boar sight. Yeah, too. sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I can t- I think I told you a story about the deer hunt I did last year with Lisk on Liska's boat. Mm-hmm. I showed up and uh you know, Pat had come into town from Homer and uh he let someone borrow his gun the year before. He hadn't shot it since. So he gave it to his guys at the store, his gun guys. And it was like, hey, can you just look this over and make sure he didn't screw anything up? And I don't think he was asking them about the scope or anything. But they put a boresight in it. And then they cranked his scope because they were like, it's way off. It was way off. So your scope was way off. So then I show up in Seward. He drove from Homer. We get down there. We're at the boat. And he's like, man, my gun's not sighted in. Like the guys, he tells me the story about the guys. And I'm like, Liska is like, can, where can we shoot here in Seward? So we go lay out. I put out a target at 50 yards. Not on paper. That's a bad feeling. So I'm like, so I let him shoot like three times. He's like, bro, I'm not good at this. Like, if you just want to take over. So I did what you do. That's how I do. I never use a laser. So I pull the bolt out, look down. I get him on paper. They had his scope way off. So, and and that was with his gun guys at the store that he trusted. And I was like, yeah, I don't. He's like, man, I'm never gonna trust. I was like, well, I don't. I don't think it has to do with them. Like, boresight. Like, it's made in China. You can buy it on Amazon, man. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. how? Yeah. What's the quality control on that? Like, yeah. who knows where that thing's at? So, like, yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, if you're in yeah. camp and you want to like see if you're close, yeah. and if you're taking hundred yard shots, you you'll probably be fine on yeah. a moose. Yeah, but I'm definitely not doing we, that on like, don't sheep. Just it. On the yeah, you're just site. checking. Yeah, you're we know checking. that it works, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, if I have one of these rifles, right, and I'm zeroing at the range, and I know that center crosshair is where the bullet's going, if you want to keep a bore sight with you, keep it and then put it in the barrel and then see where yeah, your crosshairs that's are. Because right. it, I that's can almost guarantee doing. it's not going to be in the middle of the crosshair. Yeah. It's going to be somewhere around it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to do that, I'd prep it first. Like, know that, hey, when my stuff is perfectly zeroed, that laser is going to be three inches left and two inches up of my yeah. center crosshair. At 50 yards. At 50. Yeah, and yeah. then you can write that down and yeah. be like, that's how you check it. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would that's do. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, and you're using, you're like, I see what you're saying. You're using the laser uh, bore sight that you've, you used. Yeah. When you sight yeah. it in the yeah. gun. Yeah. So First it's confirming that you see the laser yeah. on your target. Yeah. You know, we, we use the term minute of angle, right? One inch at 100 yards. But then a lot of people's traditional hunting, hunting rifle is minute of moose. You know, they're they're capable of shooting, you know, a decent size grouping at, you know, 100. Oh, but that man. decent size grouping is 10 yeah. inches. So, so, crazy. so, so. I just want to get your guys' take on this for any of my friends listening. Because this is a subject that they all hate me for because i have a lot of friends that hunt i don't have a lot of friends that shoot a lot and are like serious about shooting or no ballistics a lot and they all sight in two inches high at 100 why (laughs) (laughs) so i needed from you so it makes sense so yes there's a term called danger space and that is helpful to know if you we're not going to go into that here. If that's something you're curious about, look up Phil Vallejo. He goes over it in pretty good depth or Google it. But that's pretty much saying that 
if you sight in at a certain range, you're good between X range and X range mm. because yeah. because of the flight of the bullet. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people, a lot of old school hunters, they'll sight in at 200, and 200 will give you a pretty decent danger space. So if you don't have adjustable turrets, you have a BDC, right? Or not even a BDC, just a standard duplex. That that would be what I suggest for somebody that's doing that. And then zero in at 200. Checking your danger space and sighting in appropriately for your, it's going to change for cartridge and your rifle system. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of variables. Yeah. I've had the argument with those friends several times when they're like, yeah, I'm zeroed. And I'm like, okay, you're zeroed at what? Well, I'm two inches high at a hundred. So I'm zeroed at probably, you know, about 200. And I'm like, so you're not zeroed. Well, what you're telling me. yeah. I mean, exactly to the point of what Kevin was saying is that, you know, old school hunters, right. Where they're not like a shot at 400 is out of the realm of they're not even going to attempt. Right. Where if you have that hundred yard range and you don't have a 200 yard range, if you're two inches high at a hundred, you're in the ballpark of being dead mm-hmm. nuts at two. So that if you have an animal walk in at you at a hundred, you know that you aim a little low, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're two inches high of your center. And then at 200, you aim dead nuts. And at 300, you aim like top of the back. Yeah. And that's just a quick thing that sure. it's one less thing that they have to think about when they see an animal and you're like 300 high, 100 low. And yeah. then they don't have to touch anything on the gun. Yeah. Now, you know, if you're rocking a rig where you have a reticle that's useful, right? Uh, we call them a Christmas tree where you see your drop and it actually gives you like a grid, mm. right? Use the grid and zero at a hundred and just use the grid, learn it. Whereas if you're rocking, you know, your grandfather's duplex and there's just Mm -hmm. crosshairs and nothing that usable in there, that two inches high at a hundred is not bad. So you got zero at a hundred? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. What's the uh, longest shot you've taken an animal with? So me personally, animals, um, me moving to Alaska is kind of like my introduction to large game hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, I've been a lot before. But I never really had anyone to take me when I was older in the military. And um, even before then, you know, it was just a lot of failed attempts. And I don't say failed. Like, it was still a good experience going out there. But the farthest... What about comfort level? Well, shooting PRS has made my comfort level a Mm. lot more, even though the farthest shot I've taken on large game was my caribou at 184 yards. And none of the bullet drop really came into effect. I was shooting a 300 win mag. Um, So I just aimed, you know, like an inch high of where I wanted to hit. Yeah. And, uh, but my comfort level has risen to a pretty good distance at, at game. I would feel comfortable taking a shot depending on the conditions at probably 800 and in. Whoa. Kevin? Depends on what it is. What's your comfort? What do you think? So, What's that sheep going to go down at this year? Well, if need be, in any condition, pretty much, I'm good with 400 and in. I'm not as comfortable as Spencer is. Ideal conditions, I'm I'm very comfortable at 600 and in. And if it's if it's a wolf, I'm I'm going to take the shot and hope mm. for the best. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my longest shot I've taken at a game or game animal is 156 yards. I took my my goat at that. That's yeah. Yep. I mean, critters—they just—they pop out whatever range they pop out yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there was an incident. So moose hunting last year, I did have a legal bull pop out at 670 yards. I didn't have my rifle. Uh, if I would have had my rifle, 
I had good conditions. It was good quartering away shot. I would have been very comfortable taking that, but with a borrowed rifle, I, I let him walk. Well, it seems like that, I mean, definitely it's a comfort level with every single person. But I know that there was like, because Phil, when he got his elk last year at whatever it was, I think it was like six something, there was a lot of like, there's blowback from the average guy, um, you know, that's like, I would never shoot past, you know, 300 or whatever. Community eating itself. Yeah. I think a lot of that, though, is like ethics stuff that, that people are brought up with. And so they just see it a different way. You know, it's like you talk to the trad archery guys, like they, you, I want to win in their space, you know, and I mm, get it, point. you know, and, and, the, and at least when I talk to those guys, they're not, they're not going on the internet and talking trash, but I mean, it's something personal to them that they feel like they need to win in that space. I don't think it has anything to do with, uh, you know, no, but trash. in, in gun, there's a lot of blowback on law training with yeah. gun gun guys saying that it's unethical and um you think they just don't know uh no i just think that uh i just think that we're in a culture right now where everyone wants to just be on a team and their team is the best team and mm, yeah so they, if they're not if they don't understand that someone shoots that all the time and they they've done if, if they've done if someone is capable at 600 yards as capable as you are like my take on it is I, I like to go by whatever's allowed by fishing game i'm okay with yeah so if you're allowed to shoot someone with a crossbow i'm okay with it even though i'm i'm not going to shoot anything with a crossbow if you're allowed to bait an animal i'm okay with it because it's allowed so i'm going to be okay with whatever and i'm not going to judge anyone on it but I know a lot of hunters who shoot their gun three bullets to zero it every year, and then yeah, they go hunting. That's it. And yeah. those are a lot of the people who are going to talk shit about someone taking a 600-yard shot when the guy taking the 600-yard shot shoots 600-yard shots way more than they shoot 100-yard shots. Yeah. Mm. And so, like... Where you hope they do. So, I don't... Yeah, you would hope they do. And if, if, they, if they're successful at it, they probably do. Yeah, that's right. Or they just got real lucky yeah. because... Your misses at those type of ranges are not, it's not like you're going to, I was going for a lung shot and I shot in the elbow. You're, the misses are going to be pretty significant. Yeah, totally. Usually, usually someone could get lucky for sure. And I, I don't, yep. I don't want to judge that. You get a lot of people that have envy of it too. You're like, okay, I, I shoot 20, 20 rounds a year. I buy a $20,000 rifle. It's capable of shooting 1400 yards. I should be able to do that. Sure. No you can't do that. Your rifle can, but you can't. Yeah. Mm. Go out, take mm. a class, learn how to shoot long range, yeah. and get some reps behind the rifle. Then, yes, you can. And get I think the, that is the reason why um, why there is so much blowback on it because there is a lot of people who aren't. He, uh, my, my buddy that's a, rifle, uh, a firearms instructor, the first thing he tells everyone after the exact speech that you give about the four rules of a gun, like don't ever point that thing at anything you don't intend to kill or destroy and finger off the trigger to all that he goes right into that you will never ever in your life rise to the occasion you will always fall to the level of your training and that is that's a fact mm. so if you always. don't train it i mean and and that goes into i mean there's a lot of arguments for the anti-gun people that are legitimate arguments like 
you know, when people are like, like for instance, Florida just legalized that you don't need a, you don't need a license to carry concealed. Yeah. Well, and there's called, a, uh, well, we have, I just saw the map of that. It's well, growing. There's like 28 Which states or something, 26. Yeah. But something. what's the word? Uh, constitutional. Yeah. constitutional like, right carry, carry yeah. right yeah constitutional and, and, carry. and i can see the argument for the anti-gun people because there is a lot of people who are now gonna carry concealed that do not train that and do not ever train that don't sit at home and work on drawing that gun don't dry fire ever like i know i don't know there's not a lot of people that you're gonna know in your friend group that dry fire ever well, maybe your guys is from your friend. Can you actually friend. pull that map up? My for yeah, constitutional no. carry. I just popped. Absolutely. It just popped up. There's a lot. I'll there's just a lot up. of factors to all that, and I just don't like to judge anyone on anything. That if if That's fishing true. game deems it okay for you to do that, if you want a long range hunt, go ahead. If you want to, like I understand the trad bow and the bow argument, but I just I just hate the divide in the community of like. You know, you see, you see it with like sheep hunters think they're better than moose hunters, and trad bow guys are better than compound guys, and then the the guys that the want to beat the trad bow guys are like, well, I made my bow, I made my arrow, and I forged my broadhead, like yeah. And it's like you can go on forever with that stuff, and it's just like it's unfortunate that we have that because we really do got to stick together if we want to keep the privilege. Period. Yeah. As long as you can justify an ethical shoot, I don't, I don't think yardage matters. If yeah. you can justify to me that you think that this shot is made and can be ethical, go for it. You mm. know, as yeah. long as you can fall back on your justification, you know, um, you, we take shots at 10 inch gongs at 800 off of a tank trap, right? You know, and you're hitting six out of eight, and the misses you have are barely off the plate. You know, a 10-inch gong mm -hmm. relatively yeah. kill zone. On so, a moose, that's every bit of a yeah. kill. That's the yeah. heart yeah. of a and, moose. And you're talking, yeah, the plate's not breathing. You're not in that moment. So yeah. if it all depends on the situation. Yeah. If there's a yeah. crazy crosswind, even for me when I say 800 and in, if there's a crazy crosswind and I don't shoot in the wind as much as I'd like to, I'm going to try to get closer. Yeah. Because that's one factor that a shooter can't control is the wind in knowing what it's doing. That only comes with experience. You could have your Kestrel and it'll tell you, hey, the wind at your position is 15 miles an hour coming from full value left, right? But what is it doing 15 feet to, from in front of you to yeah. the target? And that's if what's affecting the bullet. Right. And what people don't understand too is that that bullet's on such a high arc at long range that it's not the wind at your level. It's the wind up top. Yeah. Mm. You know. So when you guys do the competition, is there, are you guys giving out those gauges on wind, like at 500, 600? So for the clinic, right, in day one, we're going to, if we have wind out there, it, like I said, it's a square range. Wind is off and on depending on the time of the year. Um, during the clinic, we're going to give all the help we can to mm -hmm. the students that are there and wanting to learn and maybe have never felt like, oh, hey, a four-mile-an-hour wind is when you barely feel it on your face. And then an eight-mile-an-hour wind, you're going to start to see, you know, all the top of the trees move and then you know anything in between there you're looking at grass um watching mirage mirage is a big key mm. factor for seeing where the wind what the wind is doing downrange you might at the firing line you might feel wind hitting you on the left side of your face and then you'll watch mirage flow right to left mm. so oh like, i didn't know that you might yeah that the mirage is moving with the wind yeah the heat is gonna rise up that off the sense. ground and then that wind's gonna take it and you'll mm. see that fuzz mm. so 
I didn't know that. For everybody listening, Mirage, like when you're looking through mm. a scope or say like you're watching a hunting video, Billy Moles, for example, they'll talk about like the heat waves. That's what we're talking about in Mirage. And Mirage is very good at giving you wind direction. But like Spencer said, it's it's what where you at in the wind column. So, for example, Saturday we're shooting at Upper Susitna at 1,000 yards at target level when the mirage was going right to left at the top of the berm where you're at where at the bullets arc we were getting a good left to right i was holding off plate left but the guy i was shooting with it was looking like it was going right to left or mm. uh, opposite direction well i could see how that would even help you like on a stock you know mm-hmm. if you're like yeah okay well, yeah if you hunt and you spend a lot of time glassing you you understand mirage because it's messing up your glassing you know mm-hmm. yeah but i never day, equated to it to you never notice the wind in it the wind in it you never notice. i just the see that it's just miraging yeah. well you're not shooting super far so it's not really a but if you're like seeing a, a you know whatever a, a ram or a moose across the valley and you notice that yeah, it's you would no- right to left mm-hmm. you're like okay well i know which way to approach this yeah yeah absolutely that never crossed my mind ever oh. and a, a little hack to that also is uh if you're let's say you you spot a ram at a at a mile and he's over a couple different drainages you can focus your spotter at different ranges of ranges and you can see what direction the wind is going yeah at swirling. those different ranges mm-hmm. so if you got a zigzag in there or whatnot yeah or if you got a weird you carry indicator valley you got like smoke oh you gotta get some smoke <laughs> in the vinyl harness bro you're out there just i got baby powder smoke tie use yeah baby powder you, yeah. you gotta that keep works. in your little backpack pocket at all times yeah um no but i did have one of those like uh wasn't there like an automatic one it was like mm-hmm. a one i had what it's called i just have a little powder little, thing yeah, yeah. Or, but that's where you're at though or just come out and shoot prs with us and you'll learn how to shoot well, long boom, range you don't have is. to get as close right sorry mom i gotta True. go to class <laughs> 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 um well thanks for coming in guys is there anything that we maybe didn't touch on I, I, there's a lot i know we could have went a long ways on this um but for people that are interested in in learning some more things can we revisit what when the classes are what the website is who to contact so yeah the best place to find about find out about us is our website long range shooters of alaska or well lrsalaska.com so long range shooters alaska.com uh, that would be the best place to go uh, we have a we have a, a subscription you can sign up and you can get notifications when we're going to have a have our matches like when they open on practice score so that's how we register for the matches you'll go to practice score and you'll sign up for the match like for now for right now just on uh, this past saturday our may match may 20th the registration is open for that one uh our clinic is the uh, i never remember i want to say it's 12 13 pull it up real quick. Yeah, it was the 12th yeah it was i think the 12th and the 13th now what if they miss that date you know they don't want to like skip out on mom that weekend is there a way to maybe get a hold of you guys and do some kind of private thing or a small group thing yeah reach out we're we're always willing to if you want to go to birchwood and you we can go shoot together whatever i mean that's that's always that's always a possibility okay yeah so another thing that we have for people that might not you know if they miss the clinic great mother's day we've all been there um 
if you're wanting to see how everything's working and, and see if this is for you, just show up and watch. Mm. I mean, that's a big tool that people can use, right? And if you want to show up and just see what we're about, and I mean, there's so many nice people there. I mean, everybody there is to help you. And if somebody's there who's interested, I mean, man, I bring, I bring three rifles. So if somebody's super interested and wants to see what the sport is and wants to try a rifle, like my favorite part of shooting is letting other people shoot the rifles that I build. Yeah. So obviously I'm not going to give you a hundred rounds and say, go for it, you know, but Damn yeah, it. absolutely <laughs> come out and put 10, 20 rounds through a, a rifle. And maybe you've never shot past a hundred yards. We'll ring steel at a thousand. I mean, I've put people on my rifle that have never shot past 50 yards and they've made first round impacts all the way out to a thousand walking it down. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, That's very awesome. gracious yeah. of you guys. And yeah. I mean, people listening, man, give these guys a shout out. Uh, the Instagram, if you want to maybe get direct contact to um, Kevin and Spencer, it's uh, one Garcia what? At one Garcia what? The number one Garcia W H A T, and then Spencer is at Red Hat underscore Long Range, and once again the website is L R S Long Range Shooters R L R S Alaska dot com. Got it. Yeah. Got thanks it. for coming out and sharing your passion with us, guys. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So fucking cool. Yeah, thanks for having us. And well, kind of on a closing note, so if any of your listeners go and sign up for for the match or for the clinic and they say that they heard about us on the podcast, well, we're going to select one one of those people and their fees will be covered. So free, oh, oh, right. free awesome. clinic. Sweet. Oh, right on. Awesome. And if awesome. you're interested and you don't, you don't really have a, any of the components or anything. Well, we have a, a rifle that we're willing to let somebody use. It's going to be one of Spencer's rifles. Yeah. And you pay for the ammo, and you can come out and shoot the clinic. Oh, you can see so, what it's oh, all that's about. So cool. That's awesome. Spencer is a nice dude. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not. My wife don't shoot my rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks again, guys, Spencer and, and Kevin for coming out. Chad, Jack, thank you guys. Appreciate all the knowledge you came out with. There was a lot of acronyms. Um, <laughs> But uh, you can Google it. Definitely check out Philip too. He's a really good um, resource as well for all that stuff. And thank you for what you guys are doing, man. Thank you for um, opening this this door to people that maybe have been a little tentative to to walk through the door. And really awesome of you guys to just just come on down if you have nothing and just take a look and maybe get with you guys to like shoot one of those guns. And then who knows where that goes from there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to share a passion. Right on. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alaska, for listening. We appreciate you. And as always, stay wild. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. 
Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Snow Pro AK, your snow and ice management company specializing in business and residential properties. They know what it takes to keep your property presentable and safe. Give them a call for a free estimate at 280-7098 or visit lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Enemy, and it is unmanly to say they cannot do it.